This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome along to Monday morning. It's the 7th of September. Apparently, it's a week of sunshine. Who gives us stuff? Nobody cares. I'd be much happier if it rained or even snowed. We did have frost over the weekend, as many of you were aware. Boozy MP life killed Charles Kennedy. No kidding, Sherlock. Welcome to hell. The migrant crisis deepens. Police in a ban on a dad who wants to be a copper, but he's got too many tattoos. Egghead CJ. I think you've dragged your five seconds out uh, for quite long enough now. Now he thinks he killed a man. Strictly has the X Factor. Mr Cowell takes a beating in the ratings. Is Sue Perkins turning into the new Claire Balding? And David Beckham to be James Bond on Pussy Galore. And I'm with you until 6.30 this morning. Can you believe it, honestly? They must have run out of ideas at the Daily Star. James Bond could be played by David Beckham. What, because they've seen him in a white tuxedo and a black bow tie? Hello, Miss Moneypenny. I mean, it's just not going to happen, is it? It's just not going to work. There's no way you could ever put him in there. He's not quite butch enough. You know, he's supposed to be an action figure. The last thing we see Beckham as is an action figure. There's nothing really remotely interesting about a man who used to play football but is now more famous for modelling underpants and uh, holding up a bottle of whiskey. The very idea that he could be James Bond is just nothing short of ludicrous. To be honest with you, as I said, if he's James Bond, I'm going to be pussy galore. I think I'd rather be M. I think I'd be good at being M. Uh, the other stories that appeared in the papers today, I mean, I think everybody in the entire country is now bored witless with Sue Perkins. I have to be honest, she is the new Claire Balding. They've got a thing about lesbians on the BBC, and they absolutely love lesbians. In fact, the more lesbian they are, the better. And Sue Perkins is more lesbian than most people. And so they've started using her on everything because somebody said she was funny once. And I don't know when it was. So they use her on QI. They use her on the Bake Off. They've used her on, well, just about everything. And she's got a new game show coming up. And if you remember, this is the scenario that we were in with Claire Balding a short while ago, where every time you turned on the television, there was Claire Balding. And I said the reason they use her is because she's good. Is because she knows what she's talking about when it comes to racing. She knows what she's talking about when it comes to intelligent conversation because she has intelligent conversations. And so they started using her and she seems to fit in quite nicely. And then obviously somebody said to her, listen, you need to hold back a little bit. Start maybe saying no to some of the propositions that they're putting forward. And the reason you've got to say no is because you don't want to peak too soon. You want to make sure this is a career as opposed to people going, oh, not Claire Balding again, which they were starting to do. They're now doing it with Sue Perkins. Nothing the matter with Sue Perkins. It's just that there's too much of her. It's a bit like over ITV. They've only got Pip Schofield. They don't have anybody else apart from Pip Schofield. Pip Schofield presents everything. You know, he would read the news if only he looked good in a, in a dinner jacket, but he doesn't look good in a dinner jacket, so he's never going to be reading the news. Uh, there's also um, the fact that they found Stonehenge 2. I was really excited. I was really excited. I'm always interested in anything that, uh, that sort of shows what life used to be like in this country before we put roads in. And the idea that Stonehenge was there and it was... We don't, I'm, I'm still not totally convinced why Stonehenge was there. I'm still not totally convinced that people used to go there and worship. We still don't know completely where the stones came from. Were they dragged hundreds of miles? Did they bring them in, you know, on a lorry? Who knows? And now they find another one. Another one. This place must have been absolutely rotten with all these sort of circles. We've got the one at Avebury. 
That's another stone circle. That's quite nice. I like the idea of people doing things like that. I like the idea of going back to a simple time. And it must have been fairly simple. You know, there was no McDonald's, no Kentucky Fried Chicken. There was no nothing, actually. So you wouldn't have found horribly obese people. Hardly going to get fat on what you can find in Wiltshire, let's face it. There was also the 40 stone girl that we talked about the other day on the programme. They've now got the results of the uh, the autopsy. And, of course, they've come back with the fact that she died because she was obese. You know, like, I could have told you that as a blind person. You know, you knew that she was clinically obese. She was 40 stone. She was only 20 years old. And it's a case of people eat. People eat. If you wrote down on a piece of paper every day what you eat... I think you would be horrified. I know I would be. I know I would be. If I wrote down every single thing and I thought, right, I'm going to write that down and I'm going to have it at the end of the day or you, or you show it to somebody and they go, you ate that? You go, it seems like a lot, doesn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's, I was watching The Shop Around the Corner, which is, uh, which is a lovely Christmas film. Uh, I mean, it really is a lovely Christmas film. And it's about Miss, Mr. Matajek. Mr. Matajek has, a, has a, a lovely shop that sells lovely boxes. And they're trying to sell a cigarette box. He's bought these cigarette boxes in at two ninety five, and he wants to sell them for five. And a lady comes in and a girl who's trying to get a job in the shop says, Oh, madam, you must really, you know, a real proper salesperson. Proper, not just standing there and somebody brings it to you and you ring it up on the till. No, this is actually an awful lot better. And so she says, Oh, this is lovely. It's... And the woman goes, it's a candy box, isn't it? I mean, it isn't. But so, so the saleswoman quickly jumps on the bandwagon and goes, it is. She says, um, if, let me open the lid for you. And she opens the lid and it plays Old Chichonia, which is, you know, a nice little bit of romantic music. And she said, oh, I couldn't possibly have that. She said, no, that would be dreadful. That I'd, I'd be driven mad by that. And the, and, the, and the girl says, you're quite right, actually. You're quite right. But that's the idea. She said, because, you know, we all like a little bit of candy. She said, this box is to remind you that every time you hear the tune, maybe you're having one bit too many of candy. And so the woman goes, oh, she said, actually, it's a very clever ploy to get you to watch how many candy pieces you eat. Because obviously in those days, and this was a fairly, fairly hefty woman. And it was a lovely turnaround of a cigarette box that became the candy box, that became the box that could help you manage your weight. And this was back in the 50s. So I watched that. And then I watch A Christmas Carol. And by this time, I'm now getting into it. Now I'm getting into my Christmas swing. I absolutely adore Christmas. I can't get enough of it. It cannot snow fast enough. I only want to watch it. I don't want to actually go out in it. Going out in snow is not particularly good. But all the papers have told me that, in fact, this week is going to be a week of sunshine. So that's great. And and interviews for me. So it's sunshine and Interviews. And the reason I've got interviews is because uh, we've got to record people for in conversation. So tomorrow I've got three. I don't think I've ever had three interviews to record in one day and done the programme and done the free podcast. I really I, I seriously don't think I've ever done so much talking in one day apart from to myself, which I do quite well. And so I was I was thinking back yesterday. The first interview is at eight o'clock in the morning, which I think is it's not the. Is it? Yeah, no, it's not the earliest we've done. We've done quarter to eight. I think Carol Vorderman was in at quarter to eight one morning for us. And we went, wow, that is about the earliest. And she'd driven up from... Katie Hopkins was early. Was she? 7am, we think. I mean, whatever it is, it's, it, it doesn't make any difference to me what time people come in. I love them coming in. It's just that if you can get them over and done with early, which sounds a bit mean, doesn't it, really? Uh, it makes it easier for you and it saves the voice. So I think the first one is eight. Then we get a little break and then we've got one at ten and then one at ten thirty-five. 
So we'll have three to do. Then I've got one on Thursday and one on Friday. So I, I get the break on the Wednesday, which is quite nice. And I love doing things like that. I like seeing who's that. I'm not going to tell you who's coming in. All you need to know is that up on the LBC website, immediately, right now, in full colour, moving pictures and everything, none of this sort of, you know, juddery camera work. It's all fixed cameras. It's all very good. And there's a lot of laughing. Martin Clunes and Fiona Phillips, both up there now. They were both in conversation with me uh, yesterday. So if you want to go to the LBC website, do do it and check out. And then next week we'll hopefully have some more videos. Although I'm not sure if we will actually next week. Because some of them are going to be done in this studio because it's too early to get the other studio set up because nobody's in that early. So we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Uh, on the subject of CJ Amui, he was on the papers a short while ago. And the reason he was on the papers, he was on the front page. I can't remember which paper it was he was on. But he was complaining that um, his agent had appro- approached Strictly. Obviously, they weren't uh, remotely interested in uh, in C.J. Demui at all because he's of no interest. He's not even a Z-list. He's fallen completely off the end. He's neither funny nor witty nor interesting. And so they came up with a story that the reason that they didn't put him on Strictly is because he wanted to dance with a same-sex partner. It was obviously some cheap ploy to get himself in the newspapers because they're not running a gay version. I'm terribly sorry. There have been gay people before, as we all know, on Strictly, and they just pair them up with a partner of the opposite sex. This isn't a dating programme, CJ. It's not there for your indulgence. Nobody's remotely interested whether you're gay, straight, lesbian, bisexual, pink, green. I couldn't care less. We're not interested. You're a bore. Okay, you were a bore on the programme, you're a bore in real life. They tried desperately. Did you remember the Egghead programme where they just had him sitting there and the idea was that he was supposed to know the answers to everything? It didn't work. It died on its proverbial. The reason it died is because he's not likeable. He's just not likeable. And if you don't have the likeability factor, then nobody cares about you. Nobody cares and nobody cares about him at all. But now... He was confronted by somebody, uh, how long ago this was, I've got no idea, uh, who was a knife-wielding thief. Anyway, he punched him in the face and threw him in a canal. Please, uh, this, this goes back, wait for this one, 1988. 1988. And please say that they are investigating it. Well, from 1988. I didn't think it was possible to go back that far. And uh, CJ fears his angry backlash may have been deadly. Now, as I say, I'm not really sure, you know, how accurate this story is. He claims he was living on the streets at the time of the attack and he was sleeping rough in Amsterdam. It wasn't even in this country. It was in Amsterdam. I think what he's doing, he's dragging out anything to try and get some attention to him. But as I say, he doesn't have the likability factor. He doesn't have anything that anybody in this country is interested in. I don't want to see a gay version. I've said before, it doesn't make any difference, but they're not, you're never going to see the day where they're going to do a gay version of Strictly, are they? It's just not going to happen. It's a case of, you know, it would be a bit bit ridiculous. And who would it contain? Claire Balding, Sue Perkins and CJ Amui. Oh, and Scott Mills. And anybody else who's sort of out and proud. It would just be dull. It would just be terribly dull. People sort of waving their little banners all the time. And for poor old CJ, the moment has passed. Obviously, no work in the diary. Nothing. Is Eggheads even on still? I do not know. And to be honest with you, I do not care. Quarter past four. Look at the team this morning. As the former head of the Church of England says, we should crush ISIS 
Is it time to bomb Syria? We'll be hearing why the NHS is refusing to treat an army amputee who lost his legs fighting for his country. And as support grows for assisted dying, should the UK open suicide clinics? That's Nick and the team at seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Looking at the papers today, Director of Communications at News UK, Gutahari. Other stories which are making the papers. I was quite surprised, quite surprised that the Westminster booze culture was partly to blame for Charles Kennedy's death, his partner has said. Now, to be honest with you, the bars at the House of Commons are open fairly late and uh, and people boozed. They're in a booze culture. A lot of people drink nowadays. Charles Kennedy was uh, was more of a boozer than most people because he was an alcoholic. I think people were well aware of that. He uh, He drunk himself into oblivion. What he drank, I don't know. I thought it was whiskey. And I think it's probably very easy to get yourself into that culture of going out. My uh, late father used to run a a club in London called the Special Forces Club, which was uh, in Knightsbridge. And it's a club for Britain's agents. And uh, he ran that because of his his time in the RAF. But he'd come from a civilian life. We'd had sort of RAF life. Then he'd done civilian life. And then he'd gone to this club where they were boozing every night. And he wasn't used to boozing every night. He was never a great drinker. You know, he was one of those people who'd had, you know, the odd drink here, the odd drink there. And didn't really sort of worry about it too much. So once he came into this boozing culture, because he was actually on site on the club, people would say to him, oh, come on, come and have a drink, come and have a drink. So he'd have a drink. And before you know where it was, he was drinking too much. Uh, never, never to the point of, of getting completely off his uh, off his face. But unfortunately, in the case of Charles Kennedy, I don't think he ever sobered up. I think he just topped up. And topping up, if you're an alcoholic, means that you don't really eat very much. Uh, I used to have a producer, so I can speak with some authority. And I'm, I'm in a business where a lot of journalists drink. A lot of journalists drink. A lot of you know people on the radio I've known over the years have actually had drink problems. And I did have a producer. In fact, I've had a couple of producers over the years who were alcoholics. And to be honest with you, I've said before, it's it's quite a difficult thing to work with if you don't. They're always producing me. <laughs> I don't know why. What are you saying? Are you saying that the reason they drink is because they're producing me? OK, so wait a minute, let me find HR's number round here somewhere. It'll be probably on speed dial, I should imagine, in this studio. And so I used to have a producer. When I, when I got him to start with, in fact, he was Clive Bull's producer. So Clive can bear testament to this. And I can tell you now, I remember phoning up Clive Bull one time. I was in a terrible state saying, what do we do about him? And he said, you just have to learn to live with it. And it was, it was literally nigh on impossible until I discovered the trick to it. And the trick was going out for a drink with him. Because if you went out for a drink with him, it kind of eased the situation. Otherwise, you would just get annoyed that he would disappear to the pub and he would start drinking from 10 o'clock in the morning. He could be sinking pints at 10 in the morning. So by the time he got to the afternoon, he was weaving about all over the place. And he drove. Many's the time he drove his car into a ditch and he'd just leave it there and then some good-hearted farmer would drag it out of the ditch for him. And so they would then sort of give it back to him and he, by that time he'd sobered up a little bit. But working with an alcoholic was really difficult. And, t- and, then, and then I discovered the trick was not only to go out for a drink with him and to have sort of a cup. Of, I was, at the time, I was drinking. Sounds yucky now. Southern Comfort and Coca-Cola. Ugh, ugh, ugh. I can't tell you what a sickly drink it is. And uh, he, would, he would start bringing me in. They used to make, in a little tin, two miniature Southern Comfort bottles. And so he'd bring that in as a present. I'd go, oh, that's lovely. Well, of course, by the time you'd drunk one of those with half a can of Coke, I was in the same situation that he was. 
How we wandered through the programme, ladies and gentlemen, is a total mystery to me as well. And so we would... In fact, actually, when I think about it, my time at LBC so far has been spent with a lot of booze. Because I used to do my Friday night out programme, which involved a restaurant coming in, and they would cook and they would give us booze. So we used to have that. So that was that was quite pleasant. Then we'd always go for a drink afterwards, which was always great, because we used to love going to the pub. Because after you'd done the programme, because we finished at, I think, what time did we About nine o'clock, I think, nine, nine, ten o'clock. It was time to go to the pub for a drink, and you'd take the producer for a drink and, and a few other people. So And that, that was sort of a bit of a relaxation time and I quite liked it. So when they talked about the boozy MP life of uh, of Charles Kennedy, I wasn't at all surprised. It was a social thing. It starts as social. I knew one one presenter on LBC, he would only go on air when he'd had about six double vodkas. Admittedly, he was hilarious on six double vodkas. But that's what you used to get in the early days. Because we were in Fleet Street and the drinking culture was fairly hard and there were pubs open just round the corner from us, a place called The Workers that was open till half past five in the morning. So there was no excuse. Funny thing was, there was no fast food places open in Fleet Street. Nothing at all. There was one place at the bottom. When I, when I look back at it now, we were very poorly served. Very poorly. But we got loads of booze. I think within a, within a radius of like 200 yards, there must have been about six boozers. Six boozers. There was, there was no, no chance of not getting a drink. You were always able to get a drink. So when they talked about Charles Kennedy and... Um, and the fact that he drank a lot, there's probably you would probably go through House of Commons now, probably the House of Lords as well, and you would find a number of people who spend most of their time sozzled. And it's only because some people are very... I've always discovered that alcoholics aren't the ones necessarily you see on the streets staggering around, you know, yes, am I, am I. They're not like that. They can, they can actually look quite normal. Well, I say normal in, in relative terms nowadays. And that's why it's very difficult, and that's why it becomes an illness and that's why, you know, when you looked at uh, Gaza and George Best and all these other people who fell off the wagon, because they were so bored in their life. I mean, that's why I couldn't possibly drink during this programme because I've got too much to do. I couldn't. Well, I don't know. Actually, I'm not thinking about it, actually. Could we bring in a Southern Comfort and Coca-Cola and try it as an experiment? And the answer is no, of course you can't. I wouldn't be drinking at this time of the morning. In fact, I can't think of anything worse. But the one thing that you could save on when you went out with my producer years ago, who is, who is sadly not with us anymore he died uh, many, many years ago, is that he never used to eat anything. He'd order food, but he'd, he'd just move it around the plate. He might pick up a little tiny bit. So he'd always have like a stew, so a beef stew or something like that. So he had bits of meat. So it looked, But generally speaking, he wasn't interested in that. It was the booze that became the food. And it's, it's a huge problem. Still a huge problem nowadays. I'm noticing it more and more. Ever since we've opened the borders up, there's more people who seem to drink on the streets. And I don't... I don't I've never walked down the street with a can. I've been carried down the street. <laughs> I've never actually walked down the street, you know, with, with the cat. It doesn't interest me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really be interested in doing things like that. I see people first thing in the morning and they're, and they're drinking Red Bull. Now, Red Bull, I think, is to give you a boost. It's, it's like some people. A friend of mine the other day, he was so tired. He was, we were having breakfast and he's holding my glasses. I'd lend him my glasses because he'd left his at home and he couldn't read the menu. And so he ordered things, so I have a double espresso. And when he'd ordered, he handed his glasses to the waitress and she went, I don't want the glasses. And he went, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so tired. And uh, and he had the double espresso to pick himself up. That's what people do, isn't it? You have the double espresso. Well, I've had one once. Woo! Up there on the ceiling. Up there on the ceiling. Trying to bring myself down. Trying to bring myself down. But... I do have three shots of coffee in my first coffee of the day. Not the ones I, dr I drink in here. And in here I will probably drink... I've had one already. This is the second one, but it's a double-sized cup. 
It's an enormous cup. In fact, actually, I'll, 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 I'll tweet a picture of just how big my, my coffee cup is. You're so excited now, aren't you? Not only am I on the LBC website uh, with the nice, um, the nice videos in full colour, moving pictures and everything. Nothing, nothing outdated on this station, let me tell you. And you've got the two interviews, which I did the other day. Martin Clunes and Fiona Phillips. A lot of laughing. I love the pictures of them on the internet because they're both laughing. And I thought, that's actually the sign of a, of a, of a good interview, when, when people laugh. I'm not sure if they're laughing at me or with me. A little bit difficult to tell. Um, and so let me tell I'll take a, take a picture of this, of this cup of coffee. And you'll go, that's actually quite a big cup, isn't it? Wait a minute. Does that look... Yeah, it looks, looks fairly big. Wait a minute. There we go. Do you know, honestly, I've suddenly... Re- People tweet the most amazing pictures. Somebody the other day, a friend of mine, tweeted a picture of a cake, which I thought was quite nice. So if I t- do a tick on that, I'll write, here we go. If I write big enough, there we go, and then tweet it. I never know how long it takes for it to, to reach you, the other side. But you can follow me on Twitter, which is at Steve Allen Show. At Steve Allen show, and then uh, and I'll try. I think I think this is a, this is a double size cup of coffee. I th- and so if I have, I will have another one of these uh, at about five o'clock, and then possibly another one at six o'clock. It's not so. I don't think I'm drinking too much coffee actually. I don't think coffee is good for me. But I've stopped drinking tea. I don't know why. I used to do tea all the time. Now I've discovered coffee. I'm not drinking tea. I always fancied Lucasade. I always, always fancied Lucasade. It was the one drink, as I used to drive in, coming down uh, on the motorway, there used to be a big sign. It used to say, Lucasade aids recovery. And it was of a bottle. It was one of those neon signs, and it filled up. And they moved it. Do you, mem- you remember it? You remember- on the A4, yeah, on the A4. Oh, right, you out that neck of the woods as well. It's still the idea of they just moved it onto a different building. But it's still there. And it was Lucasade AIDS Recovery. And, I said, and then, of course, after the AIDS thing, people then thought, oh, no, maybe not have that on there. So then they had to change a few of the words around. But it was a lovely sign. I used to think, I quite like it. And I used to love the bottle. Because I thought the stuff inside was orange. I didn't realise, of course, it was wrapped in orange paper. It was sort of crinkly stuff, like cellophane. And I used to love the look of it. And apparently you only ever had that when you were sick. Well, as I was hardly ever sick, I never got to have Lucasade. And it was my one downfall. I'm not even sure if you can buy it now. Can you buy Lucasade? You probably can, can't you? And it says AIDS recovery. So I just thought it was a sugary drink. I thought it was a thing you had when you were feeling a little bit poorly. Whereas in our house, we had Robinson's lemon barley water. Do you remember that one? Oh, I used to love Robinson's lemon barley water. And they used to cover the glass with a cloth. Stop germs getting in, I suppose. And, oh, I used to love what I could do for that. And then they did orange barley water. And then it was obviously part of the sponsorship at Wimbledon, and so you'd see the Robinson Barley, and they'd always do a close-up camera shot of it. It was really disgraceful. But uh, the, I used to watch that, and I used to love drinking that drink. Haven't had it for ages now, but I did have some sugar-free um, stuff the other day, and that was OK. That was quite a bit. You need it with really ice-cold water. I'm making you thirsty now, aren't I? I'm really sorry. It's LBC. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, nice to have your company. Gary says, I was at Twickenham Green for the Twickenham Cricket Club yesterday, umpiring a ladies' cricket match. We were also entertained by Zippo's Circus. Yes, we've got Zippo's Circus up on uh, the green. And, and I wondered if you may have passed by. I didn't. No, I went out yesterday. We did the walking regions part, which was very nice. And uh, it got a bit hot. And then out for breakfast and then back home. 
and then had what I call my lazy do-nothing day. Do-nothing day. You've got, you've got to do it every so often. It's, it's just Otherwise, you just wind yourself into the ground. Uh, Lawrence says, your hilarious rant about C.J. Demui reminded me of Daphne. It's my 5 We used to love Daphne on there. She was so sweet and so clever on everything, you know, to the point of... You know, we need to hold this poor woman under the water for a little bit longer. She knew everything. I was amazed. I was always amazed when I used to watch Daphne that she knew the answer to even obscure pop questions. She just obviously had one of those those memories that retained everything. I retained it. Mind you, talking of odd things, here's an odd thing. Um, here's an odd thing. I was telling you the other day that I used to work at the castle in Richmond many, many years ago, back in the 1970s. And... Um, might have been later. And um, and I used to work down there. Dale Winton used to work there as well. In fact, he was my relief DJ. They used to give you an hour off and you'd get somebody who used to come in and do it. And anyway, um, I was talking to a lady the other day and then I was talking to somebody else about the castle in Richmond. And it was very interesting because somebody said, oh, do you remember this uh, bouncer who worked down there who was very good looking? Because we didn't have the best looking bouncers. I don't want to be rude about them because some of them might be listening at the moment, but we had one who was particularly good-looking, who was blonde, called Steve, and he used to have a, a mini, and I think he had an Afghan hound, and anyway, he was he was sort of, everybody used to go, swoon, 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 and we were talking about him, we were talking about a guy down there who who died some years ago, and, uh, and we got talking about Steve, and somebody said, oh, do you know what, what he's doing? I said, well, surprisingly, years and years ago, when we were in a different building, and it must be going back about eight years ago, uh, he contacted me and uh, said, I used to work down the castle and we sort of met up and uh, he he brought down a load of pictures he'd had taken at the time. Well, uh, the years went. I saw him a couple of occasions, a couple of occasions. He came down to the uh, to the studio and he's a black cab driver, uh, which, of course, is no surprise to me at all, because I know quite a number of black cab drivers, as you're well aware. And he, he came down and then all of a sudden, you know, obviously something happened. And we lost contact. And so I just carried on. And so talking about him the other day, it was it was quite interesting. Well, blow me down. Yesterday, I get a text saying, is this Steve Allen, the best presenter on LBC? So I wrote back, no, it's not. No, I didn't write that. I just made that bit up to make myself sound more interesting. And uh, and he said, is this, the, you know, Steve Allen, the best presenter on LBC? This is Steve, you know, used to work at the castle, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, no, isn't that funny? Is that is that psychic? Is that psychic when you talk about somebody and then blow me down, they they respond to you like that. So I've often thought maybe I'm a bit psychic. You know, you sit there, you think I've not heard from so and so, so and so for ages. And all of a sudden the phone rings and it's them. And you think, now, how does that work? Do I have the gift? Am I Sally Morgan? He's here, darling. He's next to me. No, he's not. You know, I mean, could I have that ability to to read people? No, I don't think so. But there's obviously something, isn't there? When you talk about somebody, I mean, how can that be? Do they then get a message, you know, going, oh, I must try. He said, he said he'd been through one of his old phones because he'd lost the number. He went for an old phone and found it. So he wasn't sure if this was still my number. So I said, well, listen, I'm just about to go to bed. So we'll catch up again tomorrow. But isn't that odd that something like that can happen? I sometimes get a bit scared thinking perhaps I am a little bit psychic. I don't believe in anything like that. I really don't. Did I hear, says Andy, the head of the Church of England wants to bomb ISIS, really? I thought the head of the Church of England was the Queen. Uh, No, this is the former head of the Church of England. The former head of the Church of England. And um, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting to find out. I mean, I I don't think the Queen would ever comment on anything like that. When they say she's head of the Church of England, it's, it's just a figurehead. 
OK, it's just a figurehead. It's like, you know, the Queen technically runs the country. No, she doesn't. The Prime Minister does, and he tells her what to say. They write her speeches. She doesn't write her own speeches. You know, it's been a terrible year for us. It's been annus horribilis. She doesn't do that. That's written, you know, by somebody else, and then it goes for vetting, and then it, it, it all gets sort of into the public domain. So I think that they will bomb Syria. I'm not sure whether I think it's the right answer. I don't think it's... Uh, I don't even know what the question is, to be honest with you. But the more we talked about that man yesterday uh, on the programme, and the more we talked about that little boy who died, and then there were certain people suggesting that it was propaganda. I seriously couldn't believe... Already the conspiracy theories have started. It turns out this man wasn't coming from Syria. He was coming from Turkey, which we thought was safe. And then when I saw his aunt on the television who gave him the money, the £2,600, when they could have stuck him on a flight... Well, you know, there are flights out of Turkey and into Turkey. It's not complicated. And so he leaves there. And then you saw his aunt on the television. And she was, you know, stunning looking, you know, immaculately done up. I thought, you know, we're looking at poverty. But, of course, they didn't come from poverty. You know, she didn't look like she was going to be a refugee anytime soon. And she lives in Turkey. Why couldn't they have just gone to live with her? The whole thing is sort of, it's got a bit peculiar, hasn't it? You're, you now seem to be very much divided over whether or not we should be just sort of opening up the borders to everybody who's got the Syrian passport, even though we now know there are lots of fake Syrian passports, and ISIS have already said that they're going to try to get people into this country. It's not going to be too difficult, is it? Not going to be too difficult. Uh, Steve, says Chadwick, here is a nice uh, picture from the Queen Mary. Awesome day at Long Beach, California. I never forgave them for, uh, for selling the Queen Mary. <laughs> Imagine we sold London Bridge, didn't we? That was sold and taken over brick by brick by brick. Gene uh, says, good chat, boozer. Good old school word, a boozer. You don't hear it, you know, your dad's at the boozer. When I was listening the other day to Scylla Black's Greatest Hits, she does that song, Oh, you are a mucky kid. And, and it's, it's nice when you know, you'll get a belt from your da. Always makes me cry a little bit, that song. Ian says, I agree with you about Strictly. I want to see dancing. I'm not bothered by their sexuality, but it is fun to see butch men finding their very campsite. Yes, and so many of them do find their campsite. You know, it doesn't take long to actually get them into sequins. You can barely keep Peter Andre away from it. And as for that irritating, irritating... Uh, well, in fact, all of them, actually. I've just decided... I don't want to pick on one particular person. I've decided most of them are irritating. You know, and we, we're going to have to put up with that oil slick... That little lump of sugary, snivelling, whatever it is, that's Peter Andre. It's just going to drive you mad. Going to drive you mad. We don't think Jeremy Vine can dance for toffee. In fact, actually, there's quite a number of them can't dance for toffee. But that doesn't stop them being put on there. But they do laughingly say that, you know, these are, these are celebrities. Um, one here, his aunt lives in Canada. I know, but why didn't he go there? You know, why did not he go there? I thought that was very odd. You know, why would you want to go somewhere else? And then somebody said he was getting his teeth fixed. You went, what? You put your family at risk, your wife and your two children, for £2,600. Well, he could have gone to, to, Cal- uh, to, to Canada. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Jez in Waterloo. I bet you're sleeping in a cardboard box, aren't you? I said, are they still sleeping in cardboard boxes at Waterloo in London? I've never known a place where there's so many people sleeping rough. They call it rough, but it looks quite comfy, actually. Nothing rough about it at all. And um, you're in great form tonight. Fans since the early Gough Square days. I can remember Tommy Boyd handing over to you and the pair of you chatting. Still the best LBC ever, along with Clive's various callers. Clive used to get the maddest callers. Didn't he used to get the maddest people? I could run through them now. The ones who really are completely off their chump. 
Who did I hear the other day? I did hear one. What was the fuck up with what I heard, actually? It was it was one caller where I thought to myself, God, dear. We do get them. In the early days, we used to do... Um, and we just reintroduced a sex program. I can't even bring myself to say the word properly at this time of the morning. A sex program. But I, I tend to think it's more emotional problems that people need dealing with nowadays. I don't really think you can actually go on to the radio and start discussing sex problems, can you? I mean, you wouldn't expect me to sit here. Well, you probably would, actually. And start discussing sexual things. Mainly because I'm not experienced enough to discuss anything like that. And also, I think it's very bad to start talking about... You know, the unemployed. Um, another one hit. 16 bars in the House of Commons, Steve. 16 bars. Wow. I think the parliamentarian should take a breath test before being allowed to vote on laws. If you're over the limit, you're out. <laughs> Could end up with only the Speaker in attendance. <laughs> now, that would be funny, wouldn't it? That would be funny. That would be very funny. Uh, did you see the two young girls on Dragon's Den last night? They were amazing. I haven't watched Dragon's Den for ages, although we do love Deborah Meaden, as you know. She came in and she was so wonderful. She was so lovely. So, so lovely. Even though I did say to her, you never seem to spend any money on the programme. But she was absolutely wonderful. You know, every, the, the ones who are coming in this week, uh, I'm not going to tell you who they are, but it's, it's what they call a good mix. A very good mix. A couple of authors... Um, an actor, very famous actor. Uh, what else we've got? I'm trying to think, actually. I'm running through in my mind who else we've got in this week. I think there's a couple of authors, an actor, a couple of big, big authors, and an actor, and I think a singer as well. You'll have to wait and find out, because, uh, as I say, it's going to be a busy week for us on the pro- Busy week of doing the, uh, of all the recordings, which is uh, lovely. Ryan is listening in Toronto, in Canada. In Canada. I'd love to go to... I keep meaning to go and do places, but as you know, I am not a holiday person. I cannot do holidays. I'm bored witless on holidays. I just don't... I can't get into them. I can't understand why anybody ever goes on a holiday. I don't do lying by a pool. I don't want to do anything in the heat. You know, I just... I mean, you know, people lie there and they read a book. I can't be bored witless. I'll probably just sort of lie in my room or something. And that makes me very dull to go on holiday with. I mean, I think, you know, if you sort of said in the evening time, we sort of go, and during the daytime, I just have to hibernate. There's no point in sort of having me lying there with my little speedos on, which don't fit. Uh, You know, sunbathing, just so I can come back with sort of no tan lines. I just, I just don't do stuff like that at all. It's just, it's just not my sort of thing. Some people adore their holidays. I've got a friend of mine. She loves it. She can't get enough holidays. She could seriously do ten holidays a year. She lives for the holiday. And she goes, I'm going away again. I thought, where are you going this time? And she'll go to Budapest or she'll go to, you know, a place that's got a spa. She loves stuff like that. Me? I can't think of anything worse. And then a friend of mine said yesterday, he said, how long was your cruise that you went on? Because we went on a... Uh, we've, we've been on a cruise. We went with Royal Caribbean. Do you know, you go once with Royal Caribbean, they're still sending me press releases. Still sending me. And uh, I think we did. It might have been 14 nights or 11, whatever it was. And he said, what, stuck on the ship? I said, well, you weren't stuck on it. Every time it came into port, you could get off and go shopping or do other things. But to be honest with you, I thought the whole idea of a holiday is to relax. That's, what I, that's how I see a holiday. It's relaxing. And, and I don't want to do anything at all. But when, by the time you booked up for all these excursions, and I don't like to dress up. He said, he said maybe... You know, we, we should go on the QM2. And I said, yeah, but you've got to dress for dinner. It's dinner jackets. It's very tedious. I don't want to go on. You know, I want to just go on and sort of wear my Tommy Bahama shirt and sort of just be all comfortable about it. And he said, what was it actually like? I said, the food was sensational. Food is sensational on cruises. You're never going to go there and become thin, put it that way. It was lovely. It was just that, 
you know, I just, I don't think I got out of it what I should have got out of it. I loved everybody I was with. I mean, that was, I was quite happy with that. But it was just that, I don't know, I can't, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I don't know what sort of holiday I want. If somebody persuaded me to have a holiday, I don't know what sort of holiday it would be. There's so many places I want to go. I want to go to the Forbidden City. I'd like to go to Machu Picchu. I'd like to go down to the Titanic. It's all these different things that you put on your wish list. And, well, I won't achieve any of them, but it doesn't matter. It's a fantasy, isn't it? And that's what this programme is. It's a fantasy. 14 to 5. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Welcome along to the, uh, the biggest audience in London at this time of the morning. I can't talk about it later on. I'm not here. Uh, Carol says, yep, that is a big cup of coffee. I seldom have hot coffee anymore. Iced coffee for me. Iced coffee. Do you know what we used to have when I was at uh, school years and years ago? Our biggest, our biggest thrill was an ice cream float. Do you remember ice cream floats? That's where you just sort of put, put a, a Coca-Cola in a glass and then you put a spoon of ice cream. I can never remember why we did it. Because the best thing I ever got was from one of the companies and it was, it was called ice cream soda. And it tasted, it was obviously chemical, but it tasted of ice cream soda and we'd add a dollop of ice cream. Or failing that, if you were feeling really flash, you could do a banana milkshake with a real banana. Ooh, that was, <laughs> and then a big dollop of ice cream on top of some milk. God, it sounds really fattening, doesn't it, really? <laughs> Looks like a mug of tarmac, says Brian. Yes, I do have it fairly um, fairly dark, my God. In fact, I leave the, uh, the, the bag in, because I have coffee bags that you put in there. They're individual coffee bags. But you're right, actually, Brian. Then somebody else says, I bet you, you've got to have the toilet fairly near. Yep, I can manage, with the news at five o'clock, to actually get out there, get myself uh, another cup of coffee and, and go to the toilet at the same time. Uh, Connie is listening in uh, a place called Al... Is it al Ain in the United Arab Emirates? Uh, BJF says, don't spill it on the board. Do you know, I've never actually done that. I've never... I did know somebody that came in the studio and they uh, and they put their coffee down and they, they obviously had... They, they'd said to me before, I must make sure I don't spill it. They'd blown me down. They went to move it to touch one of the uh, bits on the desk and they knocked it all in the desk. <gasps> it's the one thing they hate. It's the one thing that you cannot get out of if you've got drinks. And at one point, we were banned from having that. They put a table, even in this studio. Do you remember when we had a little table in here to keep your drinks on? Because I, I, I defy anybody to do a programme of this length or, you know, Nick Ferrari's length or James O'Brien's length and uh, to actually do it without having a drink. You've got to have a drink. You've got to be well lubricated. And uh, most of them are. Uh, Trolley Dolly says standard cup of size. Standard cup. I think it must be the equivalent of two cups of coffee, if not three. Neil says, I've got one of those. <laughs> I'm not at all surprised. Lisa says, it's, it's massive. And, um, and, and then Aldo says, tut tut, it's a Sports Direct one with their terrible employment policies. <laughs> and then somebody else says, what a chav. Listen, it was a mug that was in the cupboard. I'm not endorsing anything. I'm just sort of trying to get the biggest cup of coffee. Uh, Dale is still with us this morning. Sugar Bear, of course, was there earlier on. We like to make sure that you're all up and, uh, and enjoying the... Pro I don't care if you don't get out of bed. I'm not particularly bothered about that side of it. I'm not here to encourage you to go to work. Uh, Phil says that is a big one, isn't it? And uh, uh, another one here from... Oh, Peter Mabbott's up. And, uh, and uh, somebody sent me a picture of a LucasAid bottle. It looks so disappointing without that orange wrap around it, doesn't it, really? And uh, Stuart, who for some reason, his front page picture on his tweet is of him standing in what looks like a giant cruising area. He's sort of standing on a very deserted beach. <laughs> he says, can you shout out Fluffy the Fridge? Listening to the show on Night Shift. 
Uh, huge fan. Joey says, the family applied to go to Canada. Canadian government denied them permission. Yeah, and then they actually turned it round. They said, you can come in. A bit late by that time, isn't it? Now he said he didn't want to go there. And uh, Pordy says, I remember those mugs. Buckets of tea. He says, also, I'm off until Friday evening after today. Breakfast one day? Absolutely. I think it could be, actually. I think, I think we're looking at cocktails, I think, on Friday. I quite like cocktails on Friday. We, 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 not cocktails, sorry, we want to talk about cocktails. Afternoon tea. It's very posh. Very, very posh. You've been getting around a bit, haven't you, Mr Pordy? And um, Christine says Martin Clunes was lovely. Hope he gets his pigs. And uh, she says, with my son shopping, I have lots of those mugs. Very good for soup. Very good for soup, which is what I... Uh, and Ken says, is the one who says, you must have toilet facilities very near you if you drink large cups of coffee. I think in this business, you do spend a lot of time running up and down. You can do it on music station. Not, not as easy to do on a speech station. Especially now they've electrified the doors, which isn't so great. Uh, other stories which we're featuring in the, uh, in the papers for today... Uh, all thanks to the Daily Star, Greavesy hits goal. They were trying to raise some money. This was the strange story of uh, the legendary Jimmy Greaves, uh, because the target to help pay his medical bills has hit off. And I said the other day, and this is, this is an interesting one, um, we were talking about how much money people save. And in this day and age, we, we, we discover that I'm actually quite good at saving. I'm not good at saving, but the people who look after my money are good at saving my money for me. I probably won't have anything at all. They were just having a high life. And I was talking to another friend of mine, and uh, he's got, I think, about three or four children. And he said, savings? No. Because we read a piece in The Sun today with a, with a well-known presenter who I think was quoted as saying that he had enough money to live for three years without having to work. <clears throat> and I was trying to work out how much money that would be. And I suppose it tends to be if you're frugal or if it tends to be, you know, if you're a if you're a big reckless spender and you want to change your car every year, then three years money is going to be a fair, a fair whack. He's earned good money, this particular presenter, in his time. And he's probably coming back in here to earn some uh, some really good money again. But he always said he had three years money. And I was talking to this friend of mine. He said, you know, uh, I haven't got any savings at all. The producer said the other day, save. I don't think he knows what the word means. It's impossible to save on certain salaries. And Jimmy Greaves, who didn't earn money when he was playing football, but then when he became a television presenter was earning it and doing after-dinner speeches and doing things like that, he hasn't even got £30,000. And he needs it so that he can have this, uh, this operation. And they say, really, it's shame on, on British football because football is now earning huge... It's not uncommon to find people earning £20,000 a week. I'm blaming my parents entirely for the fact that I can't kick a football. Mind you, I can't do netball either or play cricket. I could probably have a go at playing cricket. I think I've done cricket in my time and I've done rugby and stuff like that. But uh, that's why all these people are making so much money. Uh, Greavesy wasn't. But then you cannot actually just, you know, start handing people money left, right and centre because there are so many causes there are so many things which tug at your heartstrings you know in a moment it's in a, this precise moment it's refugees bob geldof has said that he's going to be taking in four families i don't think that solves it i don't know what he's going to be doing with them and then somebody said to me the other day which I thought sounded slightly cruel does bob geldof pay british tax or does he pay irish tax and i said you know i've got no idea not a clue bono i'm assuming pays tax in ireland he doesn't. Does he pay tax here? He doesn't pay tax. Where does, it, where, where, where does he pay tax then? Does, oh, they took the artist's tax breaks away in Ireland, so he's moved... 
Oh, right, they've moved to somewhere else. Oh, right, because I couldn't quite work out where Bob Geldof would be paying his tax. I mean, does he actually have an income at the moment? I suppose, I don't know. It's an interesting question, isn't it? I only thought about it the other day. And the reason I thought about it is because Strictly Come Dancing could be embroiled in, in a bit of a shenanigans. And the reason it could be a bit of a shenanigans is because Daniel O'Donnell's fans are very, very loyal. And they're determined to make sure that he wins. And so, but they can't phone from Ireland. There is a, a phone ban from Ireland. A bit daft putting a, a very well-known Irishman on and then banning people from, from phoning. So his fans will think of anything around this. They will be voting for him in their drove because they're very, 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 very pro-Daniel O'Donnell. Just checking on, uh, on Bono's uh, tax. He says... Um, so much of our business is outside Ireland, it's ridiculous to make a sort of big deal about the fact that we operate outside of Ireland. And Bono said we pay a fortune in tax. Just so people know we pay a fortune in tax, we're happy to pay a fortune in tax. That doesn't mean because you're good at philanthropy and because I'm an activist, people think you should be stupid in business, and I don't run with that. Nevertheless, they have faced criticism for what some see as hypocrisy in their approach to social issues. And, uh, I mean, Bono's approach to Africa is a slick mix of traditional missionary and commercial colonialism in which the poor would exist as a task for the rich world to complete. You know, the, all these people, because they operate, and I think he's, he's, Bono, of course, is hugely rich. Did we not discover the other day that he's worth, I mean, I'm, I think you two sparked a wave of criticism in about 2006 because they shifted parts of their business affairs from Ireland to the Netherlands in response to a cap on tax breaks, a move that inspired the protest at the 2011 Glastonbury Festival. And in the same interview in which Bono made his comments on corporation tax, The Edge, whose real name I can't remember is now, is somebody Evans, isn't it, or something? He said he understood the protesters' motives, but insisted they were wrong. Was it totally fair? Probably not. The perception is a gross distortion. But Bono's worth nearly a billion. And why? Because he put £56 million into Facebook some years ago. And when they sold it, that turned into about £800 million. The Edge is called David Howell Evans. Why is it called The Edge? What's the matter with them? Doesn't he like the name David? I think David's a great name. Goodness sake. Anyway, so, so that's, that, that was the latest uh, state of play. And, uh, and that was the, uh, the way that these people operate. They all do it. If you've got a lot of money coming in then you're going to be asking people who know better about these sort of things, what's the best way that I can hang on to it? Nobody likes paying tax. At least of all, Daniela Westbrook and, uh, and uh, Joe Swash. So you have to sort of, have to sort of make uh, excuses for these sort of people. They've earned the money, but they can't really be bothered to actually pay anything at all. Coming up to the news at five o'clock this morning. It's Monday. It's the 7th of September. And it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. I trust you are well this morning. Uh, Strictly has the X Factor. Simon Cowell's taken a beating in the ratings. They've said he might bring in one of One Direction. It's not going to save it. It's not going to save it. It's the format that's dated now. I still love it. Don't get me wrong. I still love it. But I'm just not sort of thinking it's working. It's just, Nobody wants Cheryl Cole on there. Nobody wants Nick Grimshaw on there. Nobody's particularly interested in Rita Ora. Can we bring back Louis Walsh, please? And even Gary Barlow. Whiskey tastes better when it's aged in space. The Sherlock fanatics threat to kill the stars. Sue Perkins turns into Claire Balding. Five days of summer to come. And how to crack your teens. Sneaky text codes. All of that and more this morning on LBC with Steve Allen. But it's the news next. 
This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Monday, the 7th of September. More than 2,000 Brits have pledged to take refugees into their own homes. Bono has put out an appeal. He's one of those uh, humanitarians who, uh, who are interested in this. It's a migrant crisis across Europe. The boozy MP life killed Charles Kennedy. The 29 peers who pocketed nearly 800,000 quid but never spoken once in five years. Stephen Gerrard loves his Z-list life. Thank God for that. Sue Perkins turns into the new Claire Balding. She's going to be on everything to the point of boredom. Uh, five days of summer, and then you go back into the wind and the rain and everything else. How to crack your team's sneaky text codes, and the blood test that shows if you're ageing too quickly. I think you just look at somebody, can't you, nowadays? You can go, I think you're ageing far too quickly, far too quickly. Uh, plus, uh, Paul Gambaccini, he's got a book out. Uh, the sex claims uh, inquiry, he says, was a Soviet-style witch hunt. It just seems to me nowadays that with a lot of these celebrities, and Paul's uh, done a diary which has been serialised, I think it was serialised in the mail yesterday, basically saying that, you know, this has happened, uh, nothing's, you know, now they've gone, oh right, leave that. And nobody's apologised to him, nobody said anything at all, completely ruined his life. And, uh, and nothing ever came of it, it seems to be so easy. I've, I've lost track of where we were with the Jimmy Savile case. Because I think there was something like 400 people came forward to say that they'd been uh, molested by Jimmy Savile. And I wasn't sure how all these were going to be proven and whether or not they paid any money out or indeed whether there is any money left. And uh, all these other people are in prison at the moment. It's something that seems to be anybody and nobody seems to check on all these people to find out whether they're genuine or whether they're just slightly misleading the uh, the police, and they start looking at these claims. Obviously, they have to look at a claim. If somebody says this happened and it sounds so horrendous, then you have to investigate it. No, no, ten times it comes to nothing. Why are the other people not prosecuted? Uh, the primal scream of death was a boy 17, chased through an estate in London by a gang of 15 and then knifed to death. And you ask yourself, who are these people? Where do they come from? I've never heard of people being chased through estates. Well, actually, I have over the years. I've certainly reported on enough of these cases. And then somebody gets stabbed to death. This was a, this was a lad of 15, uh, 17, sorry. His, uh, his parents have said he fell in with the wrong crowd. I don't think these parents have got the faintest idea who their kids are hanging around with. Of course he was in the wrong crowd. I mean, I've never been chased through an estate in London and then knifed. I mean, who are these? What are they, drug dealers? What's going on? And why don't parents know anything? They seem to close their eyes, don't they? We had a dreadful situation a while ago where it was kids who were going away, I think I told you, to uh, school, university, and lots of kids will be going away to university come October. And they'd gone over there, and one was um, a white guy, and he uh, he sort of, you know, had his parents' blessing, and they sort of sorted his room out, and it was all very nice. And the other was uh, was a black girl, whose mother quite clearly didn't have the faintest idea what her daughter was like. Not a clue. Not a clue. And they were showing the sort of the two diversities. The uh, the young white boy wanted to go out and get drunk. And the young black girl, whose mother said, no, no, she doesn't drink. She was drunk every single day. She turned out to be with boys. She was swapping phone up. And her mother was going, oh, I didn't know she was like this. And I'm thinking, well, we kind of saw this straight away. Quite clearly, you must be blind. And then you read the story of a boy chased through an estate at 17 and knifed to death by a gang of 15 people. A gang, ladies and gentlemen. In this day and age, a gang of people. 
Dear Lord above, in my day, it was like you either remember the Tufty Club or you were an oval teeny. A gang, if you please. A gang with knives. Dreadful situation. 84850 steve at uk. Douglas says, must be mad. Inviting a complete stranger in the family to live with you who you know nothing about. Well, I mean, I, I just think people want to do something. And the one thing that we do in this country is we're actually very good at charity. I think we're better than most places. Seriously, I think we're, we're much, much better. Much, much better. We, it's just that we sort of... I think we probably do it on gut instinct, don't we? I think we, uh, we sort of end up saying, listen, that's awful. We imagine ourselves in a similar situation. But uh, it's, it's that child on the beach. It's that child on the beach that did it for everybody. All of a sudden, people are going, that was just a terrible way. And yet, that's just one of hundreds of children who've drowned. Just one of hundreds. These boats, and we just go, oh, 36 people were drowned on a boat, or this happened, or that happened. And we didn't do anything about that. Why all of a sudden are we reacting now? I don't know. I don't know. Gut reaction is that it's so awful that that could be one of your children, and you don't want to do it. And yet you can't quite understand why he was in the boat in the first place. What parent risks their child in a boat, in choppy seas, at night. Who was the mad aunt who gave them 2,600? He was in Turkey. Wasn't exactly coming from anywhere that was particularly dangerous. Steve, some footballers earn 200 grand a week. I know. What do they spend it on? What do footballers spend their money on? I mean, they're not particularly big drinkers, are they? I don't think they're particularly big drinkers. They, do, they, they all have their little flash cars and their naff houses, and that's about it. I mean, they don't seem to be able to string two words together. And they all put nice suits on. But that's about it. And then they end up advertising crisps. Uh, how about Venice for a great holiday? Great coffee and Prosecco. St Mark's Square, wonderful for people watching, says Pat in Tamworth. You see, I, you're quite right. You've, you've got me in, in one. I'm a people watcher. I could sit down on a bench watching people all day. I don't need to do anything at all. I can just sit there watching. If, if somebody supplied me with sort of uh, a ham and cheese croissant... Yesterday I had an omelette for breakfast, a ham and mushroom omelette for breakfast with little French fries. I felt a bit guilty about the French fries, but I did eat them all. But I am a people watcher. I could be quite happy watching people doing nothing. I was I just, just fascinated by people. Uh, I went on the QM2 for Christmas one year on my own to Barbados. They found seeing an electric wheelchair a bit unusual, says Anna. <laughs> I should imagine they do. And Tracy and John are driving to Blackpool from Gosport. You're not tagged, are you, by any chance? I often wonder why somebody would be driving to Blackpool at four o'clock in the morning, unless it's to visit the police station. Uh, we left at four just so we could listen to all of the show. <laughs> I like the idea. I just, I, oh, I bought my radio the other day. Remember I told you I bought a DAB radio because the other one died on me. And so I, uh, I bought one. It was only about 36 quid. When I took it out of the box, it was the smallest radio that I've ever seen. I'm so used to fairly large radio. This one's quite small, but it works perfectly easily. I'm, uh, I was, so I was listening to everybody this morning on my DAB. Um, uh, 84850, steve at uk. Perfect holiday for you, says Jude Lapland. Done it, done it, did it years ago. Done it, did it years ago. The BBC wouldn't call any cast a good mix unless it was at least uh, a quarter LGBT. Yes, I, mean, I, I agree with you. I think the BBC have gone completely barking mad completely barking mad uh, when they sort of say we've got to have sort of uh, ethnic people. We've got to have that. Why? What is it? This sort of this patronising way that they put their programmes together. I mean, the Great British Bake Off is a classic example of uh, of PC gone completely barking mad. 
I agree. I agree with you. I don't think we need to worry about things like that. Will there be CRB checks on anyone in Britain volunteering to house refugees, especially those with children? Well, I should... Well, of course. It sounds... It's, it's all of a sudden started getting quite complicated. Start... Com- you know, very, very complicated. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But you're right. They should actually have some sort of CRB checks. I would think that would be the best. You, you can't just have that, can you? You cannot just have that with sort of somebody coming in to the house. Uh, Mum and Dad getting lessons in kids speak is always very interesting because I watch people on the train. I've done it as well. I sit there, came, coming in in the car this morning, and I'm uh, I'm tweeting things out. And as I'm doing it, I'm thick because I'm rubbish. I think I need a bigger keypad because my my thumbs aren't particularly big, but they I just seem to just seem to type in the wrong letters. And then it puts up what the word is they think that you're trying to type, but it's always blooming wrong. Uh, for example, uh, GNOC. You know what that means? If ever you see that on your kid's phone, start worrying. It's get naked on camera. It's obviously far more common than, than we ever imagined before. Uh, LMIRL. Let's meet in real life. Um, 420. Do you know what 420 is? If you see that in your kid's speak. 420. You know what it? Oh, you know what it is. How would you know that? I didn't know what that was. I just thought it was a number. It means marijuana. Oh, oh it's famous, is it? Oh, right, it's famous. Uh, do you know what PIR is? That's quite an interesting one. Parent in room. In other words, stop, stop sexting or something. Um, PAW is parents are watching. God, even more, even more frightening. And then 182. You know what 182 is? I I hate you. 182 is I hate you. 143 is I love you. How do they ever get around these things? I've got no idea. It's so, why can't you just write I love you? It would make it so much easier, wouldn't it? <laughs> a lot of it, oh God, every time I see a picture of Anthea Turner, it makes your blood boil, doesn't it really? She's so irritating. Thank God she's hardly on the television nowadays. Ugh. Different coloured jumpsuit from every day of the week. You can tell she's not a voiceover person. And it's Funky Friday. Done in that boring voice. And uh, Pauline in Brum says, so Bob Geldof is going to open his house up to refugees. Why doesn't it open up to the homeless in this country? Um, I can't answer that. I'm not Bob Geldof. If Sir Bob is that concerned and willing to house Syrian refugees, he could start with the poor souls that are already here. Let's face it, he could probably afford it. They don't like him. They don't like it. All of a sudden, they, they've looked on him as being as being terribly cynical and sort of not doing it for the, for the right reasons. I mean, I know that we have people in this country who are homeless, and I know that it's a big problem, and it's getting bigger. So I wonder, really, why he's done it now. It's because, you know, some people do jump on bandwagons. Some people are... Oh, sorry. Some people are, are very, very good at at sort of making sure that their face is up there. You could do it quietly, couldn't you? You could do it without people knowing about it. It's like celebrities going out. You know, it is possible for them to go out without being spotted all the time. And if they go out with a camera or they go out wearing uh, dark glasses, you know... Oh, somebody knows... What, Chris Gold, who does the travel, he knows about uh, poor and uh, and one four three. So I'm, I'm really out of these things. Mind you, he's looking a bit uh, bit bad this morning. Poor old Chris. He's obviously had one of those sort of uh, fairly late weekends or fairly early mornings. I suspect. I don't like to pry into what people do in their lives, but he's he's looking a wee bit tired. It's quarter past five. BC. Look at the team this morning as the former head of the Church of England says we should crush ISIS. Is it time to bomb Syria? We'll be hearing why the NHS is refusing to treat an army amputee. 
who lost his legs fighting for his country, and as support grows for assisted dying should the UK open suicide clinics. That's Nick and the team this morning from 7, after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Gutahari, the Director of Communications at News UK, will be looking at the papers. So after the mauling that uh, poor Simon Cowell got... Uh, strictly have just uh, decimated it, which we we did predict on the program. We did say that it was the it was roughly the same kind of things, and they've got a, a load of people who are seeing. It's all very sweet and it's all very lovely, but people are more interested in in strictly. I think because you sort of look forward to seeing people make fools of themselves, and so Simon Cowell, they tell you in the paper today, is drafting in Louis Tomlinson to save the X Factor. I don't think he can save the X Factor. What on earth could he do? What does he know about it? He's, he's part of an assembled boy band. What can he possibly offer? I mean, Lord knows, he's had his, uh, his own little run-ins, hasn't he, little Louis Tomlinson? But uh, they're now saying that if they put Louis Tomlinson in, it could be a starring role to boost, uh, to boost figures. No, 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 no. No. What's the point of having input in there? These people won't make any difference. The One Direction fans. Oh, that's oh, for the One Direction fans. No, no, no. Put Louis, Louis in there. If you're actually serious about making a programme and you're serious about looking for people, then you put Louis Walsh in there. You wouldn't, you wouldn't put old uh, Louis Tomlinson in, would you? No, no, no. I wouldn't have thought so. He's just a member who stands on stage and sort of dances around a little bit. There's not much dancing goes on in their show. And, uh, and sings a little song, and that's about it. What, what possible... You know, can he actually add anything to the X Factor? No. No, what you've got to do is get rid of Cheryl Spagbol. She has to go straight away. And Nick Grimshaw. You know, the day that Nick Grimshaw appears on national television is the day to sort of, you know, leave the country. Or make him leave the country. Send him anywhere, really. Terrible. He just doesn't seem to contribute anything. I was expecting a little bit more. I would think if somebody's on the radio, they should be able to sit there. And they should be able to say, well, that person's rubbish. But, of course, they're all frightened about it reflecting badly on their own career. So you'll never hear anybody being honest apart from uh, Mel... Was it Mel B.? You know, the uh, the feisty spice. She was the only one who told it like it was. Bring her back. You know, get rid of Grimshaw. It's just not It's not good enough. It's not good enough. We don't need things like that on the television. It's because they all play safe. Oh, uh, you know, I mean, Cheryl Cole. She hasn't really got anything to add to anybody. She sits there, you know, like a little ventriloquist dummy. Not a very big one, I hasten to add. You know, looking a bit like um, sort of a see-through map of the country and, and sort of spouts off with a couple of things. There's nothing of any interest. Nothing of any interest at all. Bit of a shame. And uh, Niles had a big break on stage, but don't worry. The show goes on. And so they get up there on stage. It's the it's the worst show you've ever seen. If ever you've seen a One Direction... If you're a fan of One Direction, they could just stand there and whistle. And you'd be probably more than happy. If you're somebody who's expecting a big show with, you know, pyrotechnics and everything, forget it. It's not like that at all. It's, it's done basically on a budget. Kelvin McKenzie... I uh, was talking about Sue Perkins turning into the new Claire Balding of BBC. He said, I can't turn on the telly without her popping up in every show. And even worse, she was sitting behind me at the Corinthia Hotel in London's Northumberland Avenue whilst I enjoyed a quiet coffee. Why don't you stay at home more, old men like you going outside? There's no point. You can't hear the traffic anyway. He says, you can have too much of a good thing. And I've already had it. Yes, I agree. I think we, we, we've had enough. We've had enough. I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in people's love life. I couldn't care less who they're going out with. But uh, the BBC is like this all the time. They just keep overusing people. It's like old Tony Beak, who now laughingly calls himself Anton Dubeck. But he's, he's, he's Tony Beak to all intents and purposes. And uh, they used him for a while and they suddenly realised that the public are bored witless with these people. Find somebody new. Find somebody more interesting. And I'm afraid it's not Sue Perkins and it ain't Tony Beak either. Uh, fighting fit... 
is Chris Moyles, a shadow of his former self. Double page spread in the Bazaar column today. He's back on air very shortly. And uh, that'll make it interesting, let me tell you. And uh, he's been slimming so hard. He says, the weird problem is I don't eat enough now. God, he's going to think I've ballooned like there's no tomorrow, I'm afraid. (laughs) Uh, Do you know that we throw out more than £22,000 worth of items in a lifetime? We throw out clothes, electrical goods, DVDs, CDs. I mean, I do do it every so... I'm not very good at doing it. My neighbour Lynn is much better. She's she's really good. She uh, she's constantly taking stuff. And my friend Helena, she's constantly taking stuff to the uh, to the shops to help people out. So it goes to the charity shops, which I think is quite good. I don't like it. I don't like it. And I'll tell you for why. It's because the last time I took loads of clothes in, they just I'll oh, just put them over there. I expected a little bit more than that. Uh, the last contestant, Anton Stefans on X Factor, was described as just a backing singer. He's actually a professional singer and actor. He's been in many West End productions, says Bridget. Uh, we saw him in Children of Eden. Gosh, Children of Eden. Oh, one of my favourite shows. Children of Eden. Uh, Malcolm says, I thought kids speak just involved ending every sentence with in it. <laughs> How will the benefits work for the migrants and their host families? Says Sean in his... Oh, listen, I have no idea. I have no idea. I just think that Bono gets involved and he obviously phones up Bob Gelder and goes, listen, you should get yourself involved with this one, you know, because you are Saint Bob and that's what people will be looking for. But quite clearly, you don't think so. You're very cynical about the whole thing and think he's just doing it to get a bit of publicity for himself. I'll still ask the question, though. Does he pay tax here or does he pay it elsewhere? That's what I'd like to know. Uh, Nick says, I've still got the badge. Yes, he was a member of the Tufty Club and he's still got the uh, still got the badge. <laughs> How wonderful. How wonderful. Uh, the 40 Stone Girl that we talked about the other day is uh, now uh, after the autopsy. Uh, they said she was killed by obesity. She couldn't take it all in. It happened in front of her mum. She had a heart attack in hospital whilst being hoisted from her bed to a commode. 40 Stone. And this is purely because of this this constant eating. Uh, her, her father said she'd eat her dinner and then she'd just go to the fridge and help herself to more food. And it, you, you, you just cannot stop somebody like that eating. It's just not physically possible. And so they didn't. And so she had the uh, heart attack. And she used to scoff takeaways whilst living in care. He said, we do take responsibility. We should hold our hands up. We should have set her boundaries with food. But we didn't. And we paid the price. And uh, Brighton and Hove City Council said a judge placed her in care because she was overweight and uh, they couldn't do anything about her. Well, we've got like, quite a number of these teenagers now, haven't we? At the age of 20, to be dead... Is, is not the best thing for the parent, and obviously for her as well. It's a shame because they, they probably could have caught it sooner and they probably could have done something about it, but they just didn't. Oh, I've got the perfect recipe this morning, unfortunately going from a, a sad story about somebody dying by obesity to a story about food. The perfect piece of buttered toast has been revealed. This is the formula for it. I thought you just put it in the toast and then put butter on, but apparently not. It involves toasting the bread for two minutes, eight seconds... And then leaving it to stand for 22 seconds before smothering it with the spread. Research for a, a company in a survey of 2,000 adults suggested smearing on butter before this makes the toast soggy. So if you, if you smear butter on before that, the toast goes soggy. Who cares? Who cares? It's toast. It's toast. So two minutes, eight seconds, and then standing for 22 seconds before smothering it with, with butter. I don't think I could wait 22 seconds. 
you know, once, once you've actually got it popping out the toaster, why would you want to sit there? 22, what are you doing? I'm just waiting 22 seconds. Well, four, apparently, this is the perfect formula. They always come up with this, don't they? They must be mad, these people. Perfect formula. Put toast in toaster, pops up, put on plate, butter it, eat it. There's no perfect formula. It's like the perfect formula for eating ice cream. You know, wait for eight seconds after you've taken it out of the freezer and that kind of stuff. No, no, just eat it. Just eat it. Oh, here he is, the irritating Ainsley Harriet. The only man who is so desperately unfunny. They've not put him on television for ages and ages. And he's piled on the pounds since being booked for the show because he's, uh, he's been eating cheese. Cheese. Which is, uh, which is really bad for you. A friend of mine put on stones through eating cheese and crackers. Addictive though it is, it's extremely bad for you. Uh, who could be number one at Christmas? Scylla could be number one at Christmas. That's what they're saying. Scylla could be number one at Christmas. And there's, um, there's a new show coming out now, and it's something, obviously, to do with... It's called The First Date Restaurant. And they've got all sorts of of silly little show-offs who want to be on television claiming they can't get a date. And once you've seen them, you realise why they can't get a date. Meanwhile, over in Celebrity Big Brother, laughingly called, because they've managed to drag up yet again that bore of all bores, Gail Porter, uh, she apparently is really, really upset because all the women are better looking in the house. Darling, you've never even qualified in that department. I wouldn't even go there. It's far too embarrassing. Uh, Chloe Jasmine and Stevie Ritchie, phony and freaky frony, here. She's quite clearly, she's not the full shilling, is she? She really isn't. I love you. I love you more. Do you love me more? I really love you more. It's so freaky. It's ghastly. I hope they they finish with each other. So much better. And um, all they're looking for is a wedding magazine deal. We've seen this so before, haven't we? Do you remember we saw it with poor old Chantel? You know, I've been in a reality show because, like, living the dream, going to get married to bloking group, and then he's going to disappear into obscurity, walk off a TV show, and uh, I've got nobody. And so poor old Chantel just sort of, you know, drags the kids out for a photo opportunity every so often. And uh, as somebody said, let's hope they get married and then disappear completely because they're not, uh, they're not normal. She's definitely not normal. She's contributed nothing to the house at all. So I think uh, you've had your five minutes... And uh, and to be honest with you, I think you should both now disappear. Thank you very much indeed. I rest my case. It's four five thirty. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, get really nice to have your company. Monday morning, you don't want to go to work, but uh, you've got to because if you don't go to work, you don't earn money, and then you can't buy kebab on Friday. Twenty six minutes to uh, to six. Uh, Kyle says, uh, "Love the show. Wake up, especially for it. The girl you gave money to." Have you seen her since? Nope. Haven't seen her since. I'm hoping that my money helped. <laughs> Perhaps I've turned somebody's life around. Um, you know, which is good. Uh, Matt is uh, a listener to the show. He obviously works. Uh, he's a youth leader. And I think he does St John Ambulance as well. He's obviously got this idea of what he thinks he looks like. So when he's had his picture taken from the front of his Twitter, he's angled his head back a little bit. <laughs> I don't know why people do that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Dave. Thank you. A lot of people commenting on how big I am. Uh, for the mug, uh, the coffee mug. And uh, Nick is listening in barley. He says the toast recipe sounds scrummy. He said, it's just toast. Do you notice other countries can't do toast? We must be the only people who eat toast. I don't think they eat toast in America. I'm pretty certain they don't do toast. But I love toast. I, absolutely, I, I, could eat, I get a bit guilty with toast, like most people. You wake up in the morning and what you'd really love is to have somebody in who's just going to cook you a breakfast and go, I've done it for you and it's bacon, sausage, tomatoes, beans... Fried bread. Sorry. And uh, then you can have some toast as well. And it's only because you have to cook it yourself that you can't be bothered. 
You can never be bothered to cook breakfast. So that's why, you know, hotels that do buffet breakfast, absolutely delightful as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, another one here very quick. Let's try and get as, as many of these uh, in as possible. Peter Donnell is there, we think. And uh, another one here. If I try and get all... Oh, I've done, oh, I've done my thing wrong now, and I... I'm bound to get into trouble with this one. I seem to push different buttons on this thing, and all of a sudden something different pops up. Uh, looking at the uh, at the celebrity, <coughs> excuse me, the celebrity Big Brother, and uh, Katie Hopkins is the one who has analysed everybody. Um, Farah Abraham chant "Get Farah Out" as much as you want. Uh, they say she's gold. She needs to dial up the nasty and mess with stuff that matters. Uh, Gail Porter. I mean, she's she's just really getting through Silit Bang the way Janice gets through Botox. We love the underdog. No, we don't. She was a bore first time round. And uh, Austin may have put new life into her. <clears throat> Bobby Davro. Um, age may bring baldness, but it also brings a thick skin. They say he'll be in the final five. Chloe Jasmine and Stevie Richards are say they're just fake, fake, fake frauds. Pair of frauds. Don't like them. Kick them out. I mean, and get her some medical help as quickly as possible. Uh, Sherry Hewson. Mad as a fruitcake. <laughs> Absolutely. She was always mad as a fruitcake. Try and have a conversation with Sherry Hewson and she'll have you in fits of laughter in about five minutes. And Chris Ellison. Um, he he is not brain stem dead. I have to point. He is that boring. He is. A, I thought he wouldn't be that boring, but I suddenly remembered he turned up with June Brown in something some years ago. We did. I, I laughed then. I'm not. I'm not laughing now, <clears throat> which is a shame. Uh, other stories in the papers for today. Uh, ministers axed the pledge to bring back seven day collections. This is of your weekly bins. Now I can't remember when our bins are emptied. I think they do the Monday. And then they might do them another day during the week. I can't remember, because we seem to we seem to have tons of rubbish nowadays. Have you noticed? It doesn't take long to fill up bins. I've seen people dumping it by the side of the road. Somebody dumped a mattress the other day by the side of the road on the A316. The A316. Not so good, is it? Uh, the lesbian mum who wanted a blonde baby is suing the clinic because she gave birth to a mixed-race girl. She was impregnated with sperm from a black donor after a clerical error. <clears throat> it doesn't matter. She's a gorgeous little child. You know, so she was confused and upset. And I want blonde baby, want blonde baby. It's not in this country, it's in America. So I'm more than happy to uh, to sort of attack these people. It's a child, for goodness sake, just be grateful. Just be grateful it's a child. We don't want a, don't want a mixed race baby. We want a blonde baby. Well, you've not got one. You've not got one. You've got this gorgeous little girl here. And um, her, her parents fear the three-year-old will grow up an out... Oh, sorry. Will grow up an, an outcast. I mean, why would she grow up an outcast? Only if you sort of indoctrinate her with all these bizarre things. Uh, Ryan is on the way uh, to Dublin with Hannah. Ooh, on the way to Dublin? Why is everybody going to Dublin? Why do people go so early? It's only 20 to 6 in the morning. Oh, obviously early. So you're either going on holiday, which I suspect he, uh, he probably is. Uh, Ryan works for one of our sister stations, Oop North. Oop North, that's the way they describe it, isn't it? It's Grim, it's Nottingham. Well, that's North, isn't it? Nottingham's North? Don't you think Nottingham's North? What do you think it is? They're not South, is it? They're not Southern Jessies up there. We have to send Southern Jessies to go and work there. But, I mean, Nottingham's fairly... It's just full of students. I told him he'd love it up there. It's all full of... Ryan is definitely a Southern Jessie, says Will. You know, so there you go. What, what can I tell you, Ryan? Is he listening? Yeah, of course he's listening. He's listening in the car. 
on the way to the airport. What do people listen to in Nottingham? Steve Allen, early breakfast, till 6.30, you know, because we finish at 6.30, and then we've got three interviews to do, a podcast, then we've got to clean the studios, wash the boss's vehicles, make breakfast for everybody. You know, apart from that, we're fine. Uh, but yes, uh, Will, Will says, um, have a nice time. <laughs> Actually, he said, send him my love, which I wasn't too sure whether or not Ryan will be suing over that one. No, he, he's, uh, he, he, I think he sent it to the wrong person, because he, he's headlined it, Morning Beautiful. So I'm not sure if he means the morning is beautiful or morning beautiful for me. Because one thing I've never been called is beautiful. I was never attractive as a child. I think it's held me back throughout my life. I did, I did tweet the other day. You could tell how, how miffed I was feeling. I said, can you imagine if I had my talent and Tom Swarbrick's looks? I thought, you know, if I looked like Tom Swarbrick and, and I had my, my talent, what a winning combination. What a winning comment. And nobody bothered commenting on that one at all. Obviously, people are a bit sort of dumbfounded by the fact I compared myself. I hadn't really. I just thought, you know, there are certain people you think are quite, quite nice looking. I mean, I don't think he's that great. In fact, to be honest with you, he's very average. And, and I thought, if I, if I look like him, slimmer, you know, slimmer than me would, would be better. We're all doing it. I, every, every year we used to do on LBC New Year resolutions. And every year it was a waste of time because everybody was going to give up smoking. Everybody was going to lose weight. People were going to sort of, you know, make themselves nicer, do more for charity, do all sorts of different, different things. And every year I went, oh, I did give up the smoking. The smoking bit I was quite pleased about. It was a trying to lose weight. That's that, you know, as anybody listening, you know, Gemma, if you're listening, uh, you know, it is it's it's difficult now to try and lose weight. It's not the not the easiest thing. And they do try everything nowadays. There are so many different companies. They've got all sorts of women who have set up companies where they send you the food. So in other words, you don't even have to do anything. But they always say, you know, fruit and vegetables not included. And I thought, well, what is included? Some frozen thing. You know, I, I see all these companies that are doing food. Some of it's aimed at older people. And you can have a trial pack for 20 quid to see what you get because old people sometimes don't eat the right things. And yet you can eat, you know, really cheaply if you start going out and using, you know, shops. If you start going out to a fruit and veg shop, if you start picking up fresh fruit and vegetables, you can go in. Admittedly, a bit more difficult in the supermarkets. But if you want to go in and buy one potato, you can buy one potato. Want to buy one carrot? Buy one carrot. Want to buy one leek? Buy one leek. And you get that personal service in the... uh, in the independent shops. You don't get it in the supermarkets. Apparently, Iceman says, as a frequent visitor to the USA, the Yanks do toast. Yeah, but is it is it French toast? Is it French? I don't think it's the same as our toast, is it? David Beckenham says, I've never been to the States. Um, oh, I don't know. You should definitely go to the States. I dreamt about the States. In fact, I dreamt about some very odd things yesterday. But I dreamt about the States. It's the only place you can go to where it really is like the movies. If you're an adult, you have to go to Vegas. It isn't because it's so tacky. It's because it's so blooming big. It's because it's so, so big and it's spread out and you get loads of things quite cheaply, like food and rooms and stuff like that. If you stay in posh hotels, you pay posh hotel prices, but it's still a darn sight cheaper than you're going to get here. You have to go to New York. But uh, Martin points out that they do pancakes instead of toast. A stack of 12. Six if you're not hungry. And they do maple syrup. Maple syrup. Somebody tweeted a picture the other day. America, maple syrup, he's getting all excited now. Not what, yeah, just around the corner, they've just started doing maple syrup pancakes with cherries on the top, which they've glazed. <laughs> yeah, if that was true, I'd be sitting here by myself. I can only tell, actually. I would be sitting here by myself. Stephen Leeds says the only toast in America is Texas toast, which is our favourite, fried bread. 
Oh, I do so love fried bread. I, I haven't had it for years. I torture myself in the mornings occasionally when a couple of you sort of seem to go, let's talk about fried bread just to really annoy Steve Allen. And it, and it absolutely works because it's the only thing I can taste, but I've not had it for about three or four years. I keep, I keep threatening to have it and then people keep saying, you're a diabetic. I get into trouble from one of our other presenters, Nicola. And she'll come down, she'll get, what are you eating? And I'll go, I'm just having it, because she gets really angry if I'm eating the wrong stuff. She promised to bring me down a cake, but my hairdresser, Cash, is making me a yoghurt cake today. A yoghurt cake, which I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. Who is the, uh, who is the, the right-hand person for the Queen? It is the Duke of Edinburgh. I mean, he's there for her as the Queen's reign reaches this historic milestone. This unique portrait, which is in the paper today by Richard Kay and Geoffrey Levy, uh, shows why the Duke remains her closest ally and most fearless critic. Um, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. His sole job is never to let the Queen down. He's there for the Queen. And that's why, I mean, she smiles more. She seems to love going to the Highland Games. There were some lovely pictures in the paper the other day of the Highland Games. And every time they manage to get a picture of her laughing with the Duke of Edinburgh and Charles, you know, he puts his kilt on. It's sort of like being a mock Scot kind of thing. Because I thought he was Prince of Wales. I don't remember Scotland coming into it at all. Fewer Britons are using their telephones to make phone calls. What do you do? You apparently, you send text messages now. I've had lots of text messages on my phone. In fact, quite a number, actually. Quite a number of of, of uh, text messages. And, and you don't pick up the phone to talk to somebody. I don't know why, apparently. In America, says Lisa, their sliced bread had a sweet, has a sweeter taste. Not nice. And uh, somebody says, Steve, we do toast in America, just not Marmite. And one here says uh, one Prosecco, one fried bread, zero. Twickenham, five. Cheryl Spagbowl, Steve's scoreboard. Thank you very much indeed. I like the idea, but fried bread, isn't it? Couldn't you just get excited about fried bread with bacon across it and some beans on the top? <laughs> Stop torturing yourself, Stephen, really. It's not good for you. It's quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's 11 minutes to six. My friend, uh, Podrick, says, Getting up for work early is hard, but driving over Chelsea Bridge is so worth it. It is. There is some. I mean, in the early hours of the morning, my favourite thing to do, coming back from Fleet Street years and years ago, was to sit on Waterloo Bridge and just look at that magnificent sight down the river, down to St Paul's Cathedral, thinking that sight has not changed much in about the past year. Because <laughs> every time I go past there, there's another building gone up. We're just obsessed with building. Kim Kardashian said she's naked right now. Hold yourselves back on that one. And, um, and another one here which says, wait, I'm trying to find this one here. Somebody was, oh, that's right. There was a, a piece by Dominic Lawson in the, uh, the paper today. And he said what everybody else has been saying. Can you stop wasting our money on fantasies about VIP abusers murdering children? He says, were it true, it would be the most sensational and disgusting story of the age. According to a man called Nick... His real identity has been withheld. The former Prime Minister Edward Heath, sundry other MPs, army generals and secret service chiefs were all part of a gang who raped, tortured and murdered children in a Westminster block known as Dolphin Square in the 70s. Saturday's Mail, writes Dominic, brought us the news that detectives investigating his allegations have not found a shred of credible evidence to back up the claims. Must have come as a bit of a surprise to Detective Superintendent Kenny MacDonald, the man in charge of the so-called VIP paedophile murder inquiry. He told the BBC last December that Nick's claims were credible and true. 
He says, I found that statement incredible in the sense that I couldn't believe a senior police officer would say such a thing when he'd not arrested any of the suspects, a number of whom are still alive, let alone found a single one of the bodies. Yes, exactly. It's amazing now that so many people can come up with this guff and um, and sort of get away with it. And we seem to waste money on it. Nick was saying, oh, yes, I saw this happening. I mean, of course, it's a total fantasy. I've never heard of such rubbish. Absolute rubbish. I mean, the fact that one point he couldn't even get where anything had happened properly. And uh, as a child of whatever he was, he claimed to be at the time, saying that Edward Heath was in the room and, and he saw Harvey Proctor doing so. It was just total rubbish. Total rubbish. You cannot believe, can you, that these people are allowed... But there again, some of these people vote. And that's the frightening thing. You've seen them on the television. You've seen how mad ISIS are, how screwy they are. The other day, what did they have? They had somebody going out there who was... Um, training ISIS children. The fact he's a convicted paedophile in this country, and you know that most ISIS members are paedophiles, he's going out there surrounded by all these children. He's a convicted paedophile in this country. He goes over there and nobody says a word. Paul Gambaccini and the sex claims inquiry, there were allegations made against Paul Gambaccini. He's got, um, he's got a book out at the moment which has sort of put down all the things and what he was put through. He was dropped immediately from the radio. It's gradually getting back together again. But his entire life was turned upside down through through basically a, a witch hunt. A witch hunt, you know, of some person coming forward saying something, which turned out not to be true. Well, at the end of it, you just have to try and pick up the pieces, as indeed he's uh, done. And um, he, he was shunned by the Labour Party, which withdrew his invite for its Christmas drinks. He'd not been actually found guilty of anything. He'd been charged with anything at all. Absolutely unbelievable. He was uh, also dropped by BBC Television. They dropped him from Life of Rock with Brian Pern, even though he'd already filmed his contribution and been paid. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, when you think what probably goes on inside the BBC, even as we're sitting here this morning... And uh, and then you realise that nobody says a sorry afterwards. Nobody apologises. Don't be sorry for screwing up your life. No, they don't bother. Apparently, Tony says you can vote via the internet now for Strictly, so the Irish fans of Daniel O'Donnell can vote. And believe you me, they will be voting. They will be voting. Because the Irish fans, uh, they're crackers for Daniel O'Donnell. I mean, seriously, he's got fans who will trek round the world to follow him. So you think they're not going to vote for him on this programme? You're kidding, of course. They're going to be out there in their droves. Another one here. Sorry, I was just, I was just looking at somebody that they said after six. So I have to sort of do that. Uh, spending a few days with my husband in Houston, he wanted to go to a fishing tackle store. Suddenly I saw a display of your favourite Tommy Bahama shirt, Steve. Poor husband, totally bewildered as I excitedly told him, oh, they're Steve's shirts. Who's Steve? Him not being a Steve Allen early breakfast fan. Well, I think you need to uh, you need to convince him, she says. But I couldn't resist taking a couple of photos. Love the shirt. Beautiful designs and colours. Material lovely. And hope the latest ones arrive. They've been sent, Rosemary. They've been sent. She says, I'm a 4am spiker. It's funny to be listening to you before midnight instead of from my usual home in rural Aberdeenshire. How lovely. Rural Aberdeenshire. It sounds exciting already. I'm very easily pleased. Uh, last uh, week, says Wendy, I went for breakfast in a deli and was given a choice of brown or white toast. Yeah, I get, if you go to Patisserie Valerie, you go, can I have some extra toast? White or brown? Yeah, butter? Milk churned? <laughs> and they always offer a choice of toasted bread with breakfast. Made in a toaster. Just like back home in England. 
have to buy the Marmite, because Wendy's in Florida, in a British food store, and it's very expensive. Isn't it funny? I've got, <laughs> I've got Marmite in my cupboard. It must have been there for about ten years. I can't get the, the, get the thing out, because I think some of it dripped onto there. Um, David says, I blame you for my fabulous breakfast choice. A rasher of very crispy bacon. One very well-cooked but runny egg. <laughs> Slice of fried bread. Quality sausage. Um, fried till nice and crispy. All now with fresh coffee. What a treat and so decadent. Yes, Noreen and gang will understand the word decadent and will enjoy every minute of it. And uh, Neil says, happy Monday, you old spiker, you. Because he, he, he sent me a, a retweet of the spike for this programme. He says, thank you for your tweet reply. Lorraine and I visited your favourite market on Saturday, Northfield. Well, it was cold, wet and generally horrible. And that market has shrunk, hasn't it? Hasn't it just? Most stalls seem to be selling the same stuff. Poor quality. All in all, a bit disappointing. Uh, I didn't see Danny Baker. Cradle to grave. Leave your toast to stand for 22 seconds before buttering. Blimey. He said I'd be on my third slice by then. And thank you to our neighbour, John the Electrician, who got us going again yesterday. We didn't have any power. Do you know, I thought about that, Neil, the other day. I was thinking, if I, you know, you see some of these lovely houses for sale. And you think, oh, I'd love to go and live there. And then you think, it's a bit isolated. Say the power goes. What would you do if you... I noticed that uh, Pam Ayres, who does all her funny poetry like that, uh, she's just selling a house. They're downsizing. The kids have left home and they don't need a big house. So they're selling their house, she said. So we've gone to one half the size because they don't need to live in a huge place. And I thought there's some lovely places. Jean Boat's done the same. She's downsizing as well from bread. And lovely house in Windsor. Beautiful house in Windsor. I mean, beautiful. Really, it's my sort of house completely. Georgian, nice square, square rooms, lovely fireplace. Oh, gorgeous. But uh, probably a nightmare to heat. But at the same time, if you're just rattling around in it and there's only two of you. And then I thought, say the power went off. Just imagine you're living in the middle of Aberdeenshire, which we had a moment ago. And then you think, that, that's lovely. It looks gorgeous. And you think, I bet it's really dark at night out there. <laughs> that would frighten me a little bit. I'd have to sort of get generators in. Imagine, you'd have to get a generator. You wouldn't want all the power to go off. Imagine, all of a sudden, click. It goes, that's like a horror film, as far as I'm concerned. Terrible, terrible. Uh, BBC Four could be shut down. I wasn't even aware there was a BBC Four. They've got so many channels with rubbish on, I think they could close most of it down now, and nobody would miss any of it at all. Some of the ghastly game shows. Oh, dear. You won't believe this. This has got to be the most shocking news that you've ever heard. You've braced, braced yourself for it? Dolly Parton is going to get her husband to join her on stage. Really? She sang about him in Jolene, but her husband, Carl Dean, has always shied away from fame. However, after 50 years of marriage, it's a bizarre marriage, OK? I can't put it any more strongly than that. It's a bizarre marriage. Uh, he's agreed to join his wife in the limelight at a party to celebrate their golden wedding anniversary. It would be appropriate, wouldn't it? We're having a golden wedding anniversary. Jolene, Jolene. And he's going to be there. He will appear on stage at their 60-acre estate in Tennessee, where Dolly, who's 69, is expected to sing... The plan was revealed by her goddaughter, who's Miley Cyrus, who said he would join his wife, not to sing, just to be at her side. He's 73. He's reportedly only seen one of his wife's shows. Because she tours with a friend, doesn't she? She has a, a female friend who tours with her, and they share the same bed. And she said she can't believe... She's always got an answer for something, as Dolly Parton. And she said, you know, I don't know why people think there's something mucky in that. We're close friends. So I'm advising the producer that should we go away on holiday any time soon, to share a bed is perfectly normal. 
Perfectly normal. HR again. HR, hello. <laughs> Quick chat to them this morning. So the first time you're going to see Carl Dean on stage. He's only ever seen one of her shows. Blimey, even I've seen three of them. Even I've seen three of them. Casualty makes the papers today. I've never watched a whole episode of Casualty. But loads of people started their careers in there. For example, Orlando Bloom, Martin Freeman, Harry Enfield, Kathy Burke, uh, Helen Baxendale, uh, Kate Winslet. Who was this one here? Um, David Walliams was in as well. Uh, Julia Sawala was in. Uh, Minnie Driver... Jerome Flynn uh, and Alfred Molina, plus Christopher Eccleston, Ray Winston and Robson Green, who was pushing somebody in a wheelchair around. And the person in the wheelchair was Pete Postlethwaite. They've all been in it. They've all been in Casualty. After 30 gory series, they've decided to reveal the stars who made their names after they left Casualty. It's interesting, isn't it? I, must, I really must watch one of them, actually. Uh, coming soon, the safe smartphone screens that won't harm your sleep. Do you know some people sleep with their phone under their pillow? Why would that be? Why would you sleep with your phone under the pillow? I can't, I can't think of any logical reason, unless you've got some music on it that you think people should be, uh, should be enjoying. Or perhaps you yourself you might be listening to this programme. Who knows with a speaker under the pillow? Uh, the blood test that shows if you're ageing too quickly. Victory over the charity Cold Calling Sharks. One in four of us do not use our mobiles to make phone calls. You're texting everybody, aren't you? Uh, how the mum of the diet pill victim shamed the dealer. He's agreed that he will not sell any more diet pills. This girl died as a result. The boozy MP life killed Charles Kennedy. Strictly has the X Factor. Uh, Mr Cowell's taken a beating in the ratings. Prince Harry grows close to Chelsea Davy. What a dreary existence he seems to have. Uh, the Park sex girl Hunt, she failed to turn up in court. There's a warrant out for her arrest. And how to crack your teen's sneaky text codes. All of that and Stonehenge 2. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. It's Monday, the 7th of September, and this week it's going to be sunny. Probably next week it'll then rain and we'll have frost and ice and snow. People laughed at me. They scoffed when I said snow could be around the corner. I might be right yet. Is Sue Perkins turning into Claire Balding? Well, the BBC obviously thinks so. Egghead CJ, he thinks he killed a man. This is when he was living rough on the streets in 1988 in Amsterdam. He's obviously got some new agent. They're determined to try and boost his profile, but frankly, it died years ago. Uh, boozy MP life killed Charles Kennedy. And talking of uh, people pocketing things, 29 peers pocket nearly 800 grand, but they've never spoken once in five years. And the police in a ban on a tattooed dad. Couldn't make it up, could you? And uh, Stephen Gerrard loves his Z-list life. Well, I think it said life. It could have said wife. Because I always thought that she was a bit, uh, she was a bit Z-list and uh, started going out in America with a photographer. And they've done an interview in Hello magazine like anybody cares. They don't even live in this country now. Get rid of them. Stay away in America. Stay there as long as you like. Victory over the charity Cold Calling Sharks. They've come up with a charter to make sure that people don't get plagued. You know, we've had people before. They've had hundreds of, uh, of, of, of I think, what was it? One man, 731 cold callers. Asking for money. I mean, this is just absolutely appalling. These people are the lowest of the low. And these are big charities. 
But as we know in this country, charity is a big business. I mean, you know, I think sometimes they kind of forget where they've uh, where they've come from. There's also a blood test that shows if you're ageing too quickly. Shan't be going for that one. And um, and found Stonehenge two. Stonehenge two. <laughs> Love the idea. Love the idea. So Pam's uh, home has gone on sale. This is Pam Ayres. And it's lovely. Uh, 2.5 million, which seems to be about the price nowadays. If ever I won the lottery, I would need to win about about 5 million because 2.5 of it would go on a house. And if you're looking at spending 2.5 million pounds on a house, I would expect something really lovely. It's a lovely one down the road from me. Really lovely one in Hampton. I mean, it's just absolutely... But it's 5.7 million. And between you, me and the gatepost and my boss, I don't have 5.7 million. But if I had it, I'd probably buy it. It's got the right size garden for me. And the interior is just mega. It's it's oh, it's it's absolutely wonderful. And I looked at it the other day, obviously online, because I'm prone to doing that. And I thought, oh, that would be a place. Then you look at the price, you think, because you fantasise, don't you? Whenever they come up with the Euro Millions and they go, it's 60 million, you think, well, actually, of course, if I won 60 million, I could afford to buy that house. That would be the house you'd want to move into. And you'd have people round and, and they'd marvel at how beautiful it was and how, oh, it's just got everything. It's even got sort of a, a, a snug. I like the idea of having a snug, but I think the house was built in about the 1700s. More of you now are relying on sat-nav. Sat-nav apparently is the way forward. I don't think you could drive through London or any city in this fair and pleasant land of ours and not see at night time people with a sat-nav on. I think you just like seeing moving pictures, don't you? I think people just like to see things. We did a thing. That, what did we do the other day? Oh, we were trying to we tried to find somebody's house. We were being a bit naughty. We tried to find somebody's house. We knew where it was roughly. And you can go on to, is it Google Street Maps or something? Whatever it is, Street View. And it was fascinating because we found the house and you can go up and down the road. You can look at other people's houses. And that's and I find that quite interesting, actually. Malcolm says, do you know if the Queen still has the portrait that Rolf Harris painted? Well, I think they do, but it's not on display. So that was it. I don't know anything about beta blockers. I know nothing about beta blockers at all. I don't even know the medicine I'm on. So it's no good asking me about any medicinal things. Jenny reckons that there's a frying pan with six separate sections to cook your breakfast in. Oh, really? I don't want, I, I, there's no point in making Steve Allen depressed. You do know that if you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, that you can view the videos last week that we recorded for In Conversation. So there's Fiona Phillips, who's so funny, so funny, and Martin Clunes as well, who laughs a lot. What a, what a nice, what a nice, oh, there's that frying pan. Oh, blimey, that's enormous, isn't it? So you can put your egg in one, bacon, your, oh, sausages. You can get quite a lot of food in that, can't you? That looks about the size of my cooker, that frying pan. It's enormous. Absolutely enormous. Because I had the omelette the other day and I thought that was quite nice. I'm not, I'm not really a fan of sort of multi, multi things, but they, they do get them, I know. I know you do get them. Right, now I did promise to do this one here. And I d- I've lost the blooming thing now. Isn't it typical? You always lose something. Uh, Gordon says, Sandra and I are going on holiday today to celebrate our golden wedding anniversary. So if you could wish Sandra a happy holiday and tell her I still love her very much, that would be super. Still in love, honestly, after all this time. A wedding. You haven't said which wedding anniversary it is. I'd like to know which wedding anniversary. I'm, I'm, I'm not sort of one of these people who just sort of passes it over. What is it? Two years? Five years? Four years? Something like that, isn't it? Apparently you can buy individual vegetables in supermarkets, says Maria, and choose what you want. You can even buy a um, a thing of ham. Or, or just one piece of ham. You see, that was the old days, wasn't it, when you could buy stuff. 
And it was all it was all a little bit different. Uh, Richard says, I have to disagree with you. I eat cheese and crackers almost every lunchtime. I find it excellent and not fattening. It's the demon drink. No, no, it's cheese and biscuits. Believe you me. It's absolutely cheese and biscuits. Perhaps you, perhaps you have a different body metabolism. But cheese and biscuits is, oh, the worst thing. The worst thing. Front pages of the papers. You like to know what's going on in the world. And don't forget, we have a free podcast for you. And uh, that'll be up in around about half an hour's time. And if you go to the LBC website, which is lbc.co.uk, you will find on there an app. And if you download that app, it means that wherever you are, you can hear LBC and it will send the programmes to you. It's free to download. It doesn't cost anything. It's on the, the same front page. I think the videos are on the front page of LBC. And you can see Martin Clute. What a, lov- what a lovely pairing we had this week. We always have lovely pairings on the programme and we seem to find just the right combination. And uh, both really good. Fiona, whose husband is probably listening to this programme now, going, what did you say to Steve Allen? She was, she, she's very free and easy, Fiona Phillips. Seriously, when I say that, I mean that in the nicest possible way. She was talking about the boys, she was talking about Martin and everything. Because I think he listens to this programme to give them an idea of what to put on uh, this morning, which is going to be back later on today. I think the idea that David Beckham could be the next James Bond is possibly the weirdest thing I've ever heard. I don't think I've ever heard of that before. Just because they've got a picture of him. Uh, but the choice he's not an action man, is he? I don't think we want somebody with that many tattoos on the television. Um, I don't think... I mean, even though he is the man with the golden balls, I don't think that David Beckham's acting ability is going to get him anywhere soon. He says, um, (laughs) David said, a film director pal guy, uh, he wouldn't put me in a film if he thought I was going to ruin it. Uh, I had 13 lines and practised a huge amount. What, for 13 lines? God, blimey, I'm saying more than that every few minutes. He says, I'd love to do more, but I can't jump into roles that are too big for me. I want to build up my experience and see where it takes me. McDonald's, I should imagine, dear. Fries with that. That'll be about the uh, the level. Uh, Strictly is fixed for Dan. Daniel O'Donnell's fans, they're going to be voting for him. They're not going to be voting for Georgia May Foot, dear. Not with that ghastly accent. And they're not going to be voting for uh, for the woman who's in Call the, the Housewife or whatever it was, Call the Midwife. And they're not going to be voting for Peter Andre. Nobody really cares. And uh, so I think it's going to be Daniel O'Donnell. I think he'll probably end up winning. I'm only joking. I've got no idea whether he's going to win or, or not win. I was trying to find the story about the uh, policeman who's been turned down uh, for doing special work because they say he's got tattoos, uh, which, of course, is rather strange because I've seen police officers, loads of police officers, on these interceptor programmes. They've got loads... Oh, this dreadful picture of Anthea Turner. She's so infuriating. And they've got loads of tattoos. So why would that be a... Why would that be a problem? I can't work out why it would be a problem. Who's this? Angry model gives Essex lad. This is some creature called Cammy Lee. Oh, dear, honestly, I don't know where they get these people from. Perhaps there's an agency. Can you find somebody who's a bit naff and a bit tarty? Yeah, you can have Cammy Lee. OK, what's she got? Just lots of tattoos. Uh, the Sun this morning, they reckon Louis Tomlinson could save the X Factor. No, it can't. Sorry, he can't. Definitely not. Absolutely not a cat in Hades chance. Uh, the Sherlock stars Martin Freeman and Amanda Abingdon called in the uh, police after a deranged fan made death threats. Some very odd people out there. And uh, who's this? Coronation Street, Sophie Webster. Clearly fancy a bit of striptease. Brooke Vincent. Listen, if you don't have the looks 
dear, to do this kind of thing. Please don't do it ever again. You don't have the body to be a model. You don't have the facial features. In fact, you don't really have anything going at all. You're very, very plain. A bit like the character, I suppose. So they've, they've obviously picked wisely. Uh, the uh, the Prince Harry stories in a lot of the papers. They think he's going to get close to Chelsea Davy. Well, he happens to be in the same country as her, and as I say, he's not really doing anything at all at the moment. They've sort of come up with a few quasi things, like, you know, would you like to open a centre? This is apparently a full-time job for Prince Harry. I suspect propping up bars is an even bigger one. And so he might get back with Chelsea Davy. Well, it's regular, isn't it, I suppose? Uh, also, uh, the Simon Cowell, SOS for Louis. I think we need Louis Walsh. I don't think Louis Tomlinson can do anything at all for the, uh, the programme. Kelvin McKenzie is in his column. He's just a very bitter, twisted old man. But that's why we like him. And um, and who's this? I could be the saviour of digital radio, says Steve Allen. Oh, he says Chris Moyles here. It's uh, quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 20 minutes past six is the time. Uh, Steve, I'm white, middle-aged, male, heterosexual and British born and bred. Well, you're an endangered species, aren't you, straight away? Uh, Steve, uh, Cliff Richard, same situation. That's Paul Gambaccini. You know, somebody comes forward with allegations. The person who made them has remained anonymous, which, in my view, is totally wrong. Totally wrong. See you at the opening of Paul Cooper's revamp shop on the 15th. Yes, on the 15th of this month, I'm going to be opening it at five o'clock in the evening. So Greengrass, he's had it all done up and uh, it'll be nice. But at the moment, they're sort of crammed into the shop next door and on the pavement. So it's uh, it's going to be quite... And he said to me, would you open it for us? I'm just doing it as a laugh. Just doing it as a laugh. But that's on the uh, the 15th. Thunderbirds couldn't save the X Factor, Steve. Never mind Louis Tomlinson. Yes, I agree. And uh, somebody from Farnham says, best two in conversations ever. Martin and Fiona. Brilliant. Uh, Dave, golden wedding anniversary, 50 years. And uh, one here. Beckham becoming the next Bond is as ridiculous as Kanye West wanting to run for president. Oh, that's a man who's just a bit delusional. I'd love to do a programme with him. I'd love to have this programme going out in America and sort of going, Kanye West, saddo. You know, what a delusional person. Can't sing. Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Uh, everybody else talking about the other front page of the papers, which is the, uh, the story of a new test to spot dementia. And this is going to affect so many people. There's a simple check now which could give an early warning of this terrible, oh, sorry, of this terrible disease. So, you know, I think that's that's quite a good one. They just say it'll be a blood test. I mean, you can do everything through blood tests now. And um, a group of more than 700 healthy 70-year-olds were given the test, found to have wide-ranging healthy ageing scores. So, you know, hopefully that'll be available soon and then people can go and check. 80 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> 80 degrees, you want 80 degrees Fahrenheit? You're going to get it this week, they've said. We're going to bask in an Indian summer. An Indian summer. Sounds great, doesn't it? Uh, here's little Zara Phillips again. Uh, Zara Phillips out with a photographer. And she's got a, a badge saying little Miss Princess on. I can't bear Zara Phillips. I don't think you should have to like anybody in the royal family. I love the Queen, of course, and I absolutely adore Prince Philip. And uh, and I like a few others. I like Camilla. I like Camilla. She's like, I think Prowls, Char- Prowls? Charles is a bit bit steeped in sort of history and has lost his way somewhere. Andrew wouldn't give you threepence for at all. Princess Anne, you do wish she'd change her hairstyle, but you've got this horrible feeling she's going to change the hairstyle and look totally unrecognisable. And I can't bear Andrew's children or Sarah Ferguson. What does that make me? Honest. Uh, the band band, a UK's top tribute group, cannot use the Drifters' name. They call themselves Richie Samson's Drifters' Tribute Review, recognised as Britain's best tribute act. But now their founder has got to pay 30 grand in costs. 
and has been ordered to stop using the band's name. They're very funny about that. I thought at one time there were quite a number of groups using the name The Drifters because you could use the name The Drifters if you had a member in it or a relation. And I think at one time there were about six Drifters doing the rounds. Because the original ones, of course, I told you, we had them on the cruise ship. They went, ladies and gentlemen, the drifters. And on came this bunch of very young people. And then had the audacity to sell their thing. This was a hit for us. Up on the roof. And I think, that wasn't your hit. You never sang that. You're singing it on the cruise ship. But uh, certainly wasn't your hit at all. Uh, First Blood, Strictly, uh, the ratings. Uh, Simon on why he cried on television for his mum. Scylla, odds on for the Christmas number one. Which is uh, which is good. P.D. James, I told you yesterday, 22 million... In the will, the taxman's taken eight of it. What does the taxman do for a living? Do we'll ever find out? Uh, how to lose your holiday buffet belly in two weeks. It's another one of these ridiculous things in the mirror. 2,000 Brits ready to welcome refugees. Hope they'll all be um, CB checked. You have to make sure if you're going to put children into a family. You can't put children into a family. That wouldn't be right at all. And also, do they speak English? I mean, this is, this is far greater than you can ever imagine. Uh, BBC star, CJ Amui, was never a star. He's just a very average contestant. Quite a boring one, to be honest with you. He's got that sort of sneery-looking face every time you see him on the television. First of all, he's complained about the fact they wouldn't put him on Strictly because he's gay and he wanted to dance with somebody of the same sex. And they quite clearly told him, you know, why don't you just go away, you silly little boy. And uh, now he's being investigated. Oh, it's, oh, it's a book. Oh, I thought it would be. Oh, dear, it's published by John Blake. I'm never too hot on John Blake books. CJ, I wonder why I've been in the papers. I knew there'd be a reason. There had to be a reason, didn't it? It's like Chrissy Hind. There was a reason. There was a book. CJ, my journey from the streets to the screen. How dull. Certainly wouldn't be bothering with that one anytime soon. You watch, it'll be offered. I guarantee this week they'll be offering him as a guest. Would you like to talk to him? Not really, no. Um, I'm trying to find... I cannot find this story. I found the story about the 29 peers who've pocketed nearly £800,000 but never spoken once in five years. And uh, Lord Hanningfield, 86000 Baroness Smith, 200000 Lord Powell, 67000 Earl of Rosslyn, forty-eight grand. My God, it's a gravy train. Heavens above, it's better than kids' company, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, here we go. Here's the police story. I've got to do this quickly before the end of the programme. A dad has been refused a role as a special constable because his tattoos could be offensive. Matthew Burns was told by police that the inkings of a skeleton praying and a winged alien might offend the public or other officers. He's 29. He's vowed to keep them covered. He said they're not sexist or discriminatory. A Kent police spokesman said, some tattoos could discredit the service. You need to go through your force members. Ridiculous. Have you ever heard such codswallop? Codswallop. And uh, Boy George, still touring. How dull. How dull. And that's just about it for this morning. Front page of the uh, the Times. British aid millions to be spent on asylum seekers. The blood test for ageing will predict dementia. Front page of the Metro. Germany leads the way with uh, with the welcome. There's going to be nobody left in these other countries. There's a very short we can have just empty countries. Foreign aid to pay for Syrian refugees here. A slice of the country's £12.2 billion annual overseas and spending will be handed to council to help accommodate them. Can't even accommodate people who are homeless here, let alone other people. Foreign aid money switched to refugees. The overseas budget now used to help uh, council house 10,000 Syrians. I hope they're going to be checking everybody. I mean, it's ridiculous. We've had so many false passports and things like that. Uh, The test which can predict Alzheimer's. The Independent plan to make 
Picketers give names to police. All picketing workers may need official authorisation under new proposals. The Sun, cowards, leadership rivals won't back raids on ISIS to end migrants' crisis. Labour's four leadership rivals accused of cowardice. And the Daily Star, the hilarious story that David Beckham is to be the next James Bond. I don't think so. I said, but if he's going to be James Bond, I'm pussy galore, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm quite clearly not. But I will be back tomorrow morning with uh, with more from the papers and uh, a slightly different way to look at the world. So I hope you join me from four. You can download this programme as a podcast. You need to download the LBC app. Go to lbc.co.uk. The LBC podcast app is available for iPhones and Android phones as well. And it means you never miss... miss uh, program because you can take us around the world with you. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow morning at the same time. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. In the meantime, thank you for your texts and emails. Tell your friends it's the biggest audience and it's growing by the day. Coming up at seven o'clock this morning, Nick Ferrari at breakfast. But next, the morning news with Lisa Aziz. This is LBC.